This weekend's UFC 262 is sure to be a can't-miss event. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code TBP... Oh, fuck. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports betting perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Saturday, May 15th, Ian Cameron with you as always ready to break down the uh, Saturday Stanley Cup playoff yes that's right no regular season no playing for Ecuador well, there is one game today Vancouver Edmonton we will talk about that a little bit but the days of playing for exercise and not having a whole lot at stake and guessing motivation for some of these teams don't have to worry about that as much uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs are here and we are excited to uh, talk about them and we're excited to bring on yet another special guest we've been rotating Tons of special guests, former hockey players, other NHL betters, other NHL handicappers. And we welcome in another special guest for the very first time here on the Ice Guys. Brett Sontag joining us on the Ice Guys show today to help us analyze and preview the Stanley Cup playoffs. The games today we will let Brett give his insight and analysis. And, you know, we were talking off air. I'm amazed with how the uh, level of insight and just analysis he can give uh, in terms of the game. Uh, he's had a connection playing the game, coaching at the junior level. So, uh, Brett, welcome to the Ice Guys. Uh, how are you today? And talk a little bit about uh, your hockey past. I'm I'm really happy to be here. Uh, like I said uh, in the preview, I I talk hockey a lot, and you know a lot of it comes down to talking to buddies, talking to my brother. It's just it's uh, it's an exciting year for hockey, and I think uh, there's just so uh, so little. Uh, anticipation of, of certain things, but um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see you know what, who and what round can progress. Uh, in terms of my background, so recently I have been a junior A coach um, here in Muskoka. I was a strength conditioning coach for them, a goalie coach and coach. My background in hockey would be junior A. I was a junior A hockey player at the age of 15 um, as a goalie. Uh, I actually played with um, Laval Rocket. Uh, Nikita Yapolov, um, really awesome experience to play with him. Like he had great success in the World Juniors for Latvia, um, and in the QMJHL, he he was one of the leading scorers. And I, I have a claim to fame, I guess, with him is I beat him in a shootout. We did uh, six shooters, and I stopped him five times. He scored on the six, and he uh, 
he got excited to score on me. So I thought that was kind of cool, um, knowing of the success of his career and uh, where he's gone. But uh, yeah, for me, uh, my big dream is to you know eventually become a strength conditioning coach for high-level athletes. I recently met uh, Gary Roberts, original strength conditioning coach. Um, and I know that his progression has led into him being one of the biggest strength conditioning coaches for the NHL. Um, and I, it was just really cool to, to hear the in and outs of what it's like to work with those athletes. Um, but yeah, that's a, a big goal of mine is to uh, get into that side of, of sport um, and share my knowledge. Like I have a background, I coach uh, level, up to level nine gymnastics. Uh, I do competitive boys and uh, you see, you know, a lot of remnants from sport to sport. So though it might be gymnastics, the the training that they do is so similar to, to hockey. Um, you'd be very surprised, like crazy strength um, and just balance work. Like you can never go wrong with doing a sport like gymnastics or even dance, like the, the coordination of it's amazing. So I'm glad to have gotten into, you know, that realm of things and uh, just branching in with that and hockey and uh, my baseball background too. I play, um, you know, top three team in Ontario. So we uh, we qualified for nationals last year, but with COVID going on, uh, nothing happened. And that would have been in well, we did Moncton, but it would have been in I think Siri, BC. So that would have been a, a cool experience for me. But yeah, just um, I have a, a wide background of sport um, from you know playing probably about 15 sports throughout my life. Uh, I've never shied away from any sports, and uh, but hockey's always been my number one, and it's it's just one of those sports that you know you start at the age of two, you're skating out of backyard rink, couldn't couldn't help but uh, but get on the ice anytime I could, and it was just the something for me and my brother that was so sentimental, and uh, yeah, my brother is a big inspiration for me in terms of hockey, so uh, we definitely talk hockey a lot, and we do fantasy a lot, and we have rivalries and. Um, yeah, we definitely share that love for the sport. Everyone, sec. I um, I don't think I can hear you right now. Right now, you're on mute. There, we, that's me. Sorry, that's me. Uh, oh, my bad. Uh, that that what that does happen every now and then. My colleagues on this show, Alex and Jimmy, uh, they get into that same issue every now and then. They accidentally have themselves on mute. But yeah, I know you're in cottage country, beautiful area. I've been there a time or two uh, in the past for sure. Muskoka, Gravenhurst, Bracebridge, Baysville. I mean, a buddy of mine had a cottage in Baysville. Baysville's just a beautiful area. You know, great right on the lake there. Uh, like if you want tranquility. You want just beautiful scenery and just a nice, oh, yeah. enjoyable, quiet summer vacation spot. Check out anywhere in cottage country in Ontario. Uh, it's you, honestly you will it's not hard be... living here. Yeah, when yeah. you live here, you sometimes don't uh, appreciate the beauty of it. Like it's, you have to almost leave Muskoka for a while to really, um, you know, appreciate what you had in Muskoka. So uh, I love it. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about that. Um, so yeah, Brett is gets involved in the uh, you know fantasy and betting aspect of it. So he's going to give us his thoughts from those two angles throughout the uh, playoffs here. These uh, series prices, these uh, series going forward, as well as game ones. We'll talk about them, uh, and, and we'll get his opinions as well on each series, no question. But 
there's something you got to bring up here in front of our uh, viewers because you've mentioned this to me before. Your connection to Connor McDavid. And yes, yeah. believe it or not, you do have one, Brett. Tell us about it. Yeah. Uh, so last summer was really interesting. Uh, I worked at a pro golf course here in Muskoka. And uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Connor McDavid, I think it was four times in total. Um, it was, it was honestly, it was kind of breathtaking because though he is the best player in the world, there was just a certain modesty about him. Like he, he's just a guy who does his job. He's not a showboat. Um, everything I did for him, he was so appreciative. He must've said thank you to me about a thousand times. Like, um, so I picked him up. The first time was great. Um, we talked hockey a little bit, but like, I didn't want to be a fan. I wanted to be professional. And I believe by having that positive first experience, he wanted to talk to me more the second time. Um, so yeah, of course, I'm a, a massive fan of Connor McDavid. Um, but it ended up leading into, uh, I got to golf with him a bit. Um, you know, I seventh hole at Taboo, uh, I beat him in the closest to the hole. I stuck it to about two feet and he looked over and he's like, is that you? Oh, like he was absolutely mind blown. Um, so it was just cool to think of like, somebody of that stature um not talking down to you like you're you're a lesser you know what i mean that's the the part that you know meeting him versus meeting other professional athletes um he acted just like you know i was i was an equal to him and what that made me do is like i wanted to go out of my way and and make him feel better so uh the second time i met him was the day after they got knocked out of the playoffs and that's why i believe McDavid's going to bring it for playoffs. Like he was in no mood. Like um, you could tell he, he drove home from or flew home from Edmonton, went straight to his cottage. Like I was mind blown to have seen the guy because it was so fast. He got knocked out that night and he was back the next morning in Muskoka. And uh, so we talked and of course I didn't bring up uh, getting knocked out of the playoffs. Like absolute no, no. Um, so I just, I yeah, decided cool. to, you have to get away from that shit, Brett. It's the, if you're, it's the right no. play. It's the only play. You don't bring up that kind of stuff. This is, you don't realize no, this guy's trying to get away from the stresses and the thoughts of yeah. what just happened, which is clearly a disappointing end of the season. Yeah. Unless you want to be an absolute douche or you want to be an absolute prick. Uh, yeah, you absolutely keep that off topic. No question. Yeah. Well, in terms of just the, the professionalism versus the fan, um, I didn't want to be a fan to him. Like if I ever want to uh, have him, you know, remember me for special things I did for him, you gotta, you gotta treat him like a human. Um, you gotta treat him with the respect he deserves. Um, yeah. So little things like he started initiating conversation with me. Um, I was nervous. I picked him up. I'm like, wow, you're, you're here. He didn't even book a tea time. He, uh, I guess his tea time didn't go through on the website. And it was, uh, you had to book a tea time. There was no, it was COVID. So there was no show up and play. And so what I did is I picked him up and we chatted. He asked me some funny questions like, yo, bro, where can I run a tennis court around here? As we're driving by tennis courts, like he, uh, he's kind of got this uh, quirkiness to him, which is hilarious because um, that just made me like him even more. And uh, so I drove him in. I talked to my buddy um, who was in the pro shop and he's like, yeah, Connor, you didn't book a tea time. And, uh, you know, both of us as a collective effort, we went out of our way to find a way to get them on. It was a busy day. And, you know, I grabbed 30 golf balls out of my bag and I hucked them in his cart. 
something little like that. And I just, like, I did everything I could to just make sure that he felt, you know, um, appreciated. Like I was excited he was there again. And I, I just wanted to do what was best for him. And he was like beyond impressed. And I thought that was just so cool uh, because a lot of guys of that stature, they just expect you to do things for them. Um, you know, it's like, okay, cool. Like you're, you're going out of your way to do this, whatever. But he, he was so genuine and there's just something special about getting to know him. And, uh, yeah, that's, it's an experience I'll never forget. Um, you know, because 20 years down the road, the guy could potentially beat some, uh, his records. So we don't know what has his, you know, what's in store for the guy. That is, yeah, awesome story, and it's great to hear it. I'm actually not one bit surprised uh, it is because you actually look at him. He's really developed this stoic, laser-focused demeanor in his response to media questions these days. Like you could tell he's he's all business when he's yeah, on no, the ice. That's, but to that's what separates him. He's a quiet leader. Like people sometimes like the flashy, you know, like I'm the best, I know I'm the best. There's something about him that just doesn't scream that to me. And I know some media, you know, platforms don't like that, but the guy is there to play hockey. There's a reason why he's one of the top players in the world, because that's his job. He knows that he's not there to be Mr. Showboat. He's there to be Conor McDavid. He's there to bring the Edmonton Oilers as far as they can go. And uh, he's just, yeah, he's an inspiration in terms of, of what you should strive to be in a hockey player, because it's hard to be modest when you get to a certain level. Yeah, exactly. And, and, he, and he also showed you something as well in that uh, time you met him and played golf with him. Hey, he's he does have a weakness. There is a kryptonite I, in his sporting background, he, and it could be golf. It you want to beat McDavid, get him on the tee box, and let's go. You finally want to well, beat he, him at he, something, here's your chance. He, he <laughs> bought a simulator. Uh, so I actually met the guys who um, brought a simulator to his cottage. And uh, so I think he's sharpening up his game. Um you know, he's probably playing at the cottage all the time. And uh, I know he's playing quite a bit of golf in the Scopa. So I don't know if uh, if he's going to be as easy to beat this summer. Um, but uh, it was kind of a little funny when he shanked it off the rocks and it went about 75 feet in the bush. Because, uh, I mean, it was kind of, you know, the guy is human. So it was, it was interesting to see. Yeah, uh you're, uh, we have a big Minnesota Wild fan in our chat. One of our loyal v v viewers awesome. and listeners watches every day, Terry Edelman. And he is mentioning in the uh, chat that uh, if I ever had the chance to talk to someone uh, from the Minnesota Wild, I wouldn't handle it very well. Yeah, you'd melt like an ice cube on the in yeah. a 90-degree heat, uh, Terry Edelman. Yeah, you, you, it would be tough for you. I could totally see that. I understand uh, where you're coming from. But everybody in the chat saying, yeah, this makes me like McDavid even more after hearing Brett your story oh, well honestly uh, like it's but if you go you just have to change your mindset like i met him in a in an environment where i'm meant to be professional um like would have been awesome like holding back not asking for an autograph i was praying that he would leave his cart his cart like his golf cart back with his autograph on it just something um i actually took his cart plate which i thought was cool because it's uh his custom cart plate but um yeah, there's just there's uh, something about it, and um, but I felt normal. Like I didn't feel um, nervous because that's just the person he is. And there's just some people I met a lot. I actually met Erica Branson, 
I met uh, Mike Smith, um, Steve Mason, um, you know, amazing goaltender for a long time. I met him about four times. So he I had met some, some good really cool people. Let's yeah. not forget that. Yeah. You know? you remember, I, I know the junior years really, with Canada, really cool people. but he was good at Columbus as well. Yeah. So if there's anything I can recommend, if you're, you're running into somebody, like it's hard to not be a fan. But uh, the best thing that you can do is just treat them, you know, with the respect and dignity they deserve. Treat them like they're they're a human being, and they will yeah. want to go out of their way. They have their their fans struck all the time. People are always like, oh yeah, like we want your autograph. Don't be that guy who wants their autograph. Be the guy who who just wants to treat them like a human, and they will treat you like a human back, and they will they'll treat you with the respect they want back. Um, so yeah, any advice like. Yeah, same thing with Minnesota, like Tavazov. Like I, I think it would be wicked to meet the guy. Like he's he's a super interesting guy. Um, but if you ever get that chance, just take a breath, you know, relax, and understand that he's a professional. Be be professional with him and, and treat him that way. And he will he'll treat you back with that respect you want. And he'll remember it. Like Sorry, I, I, yeah, I think you know McDavid might actually remember me just because. Of our experience like maybe not i like to think he will because if i ever uh, come in contact with him again like it'd be awesome to take him out for a round of golf or do something special uh moving on but yeah like i said it's uh you treat the guys a certain way and uh you know it just opens so many doors to to things in the future like uh, even for references like um yeah you you carry yourself with a certain presence and uh, I've learned that through so many things. Like, I, the more I meet people of a certain stature, um, the more doors open. And even uh, in terms, I met um, one of the biggest agents in the NHL. His name's Pat. I think he's an agent for Ryan O'Reilly. He's been an agent for John DeVeres and Pat Persson. Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, like I'm buddies with there that. I I literally set up the wedding for his his kid. Um had a great time. I think, I think Pat's wicked. Um, so he lives in Muskoka and, uh, same thing. We, we talked about a hockey and, uh, I got a bit of insight from, from Pat cause he, I believe he's Nick Foligno's agent as well. And he talked to Nick Foligno while I was around the corner about playoffs after knocking Toronto out of the playoffs last week. And, uh, so it's just cool because being in a place where, uh, you know, people are moving to more and more, you get you start to meet these interesting people, and you get to, you get some really cool insight of it. But yeah, no, I I love that. I think that's an awesome guy. And I I mean I I tore up the dance floor at his uh, son's wedding. Uh, you know, so I broke a broke a few dances out there, and it was great. There you go. You cut a rug. There you go. And you sing a little bit too, because I've seen you post videos of you singing. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. A whole lot better in that department than me. I love singing. But yeah. and, and if I really poured my heart and soul into it, I think I could be, you know, yeah, slightly below decent. But that's probably as much as I top out at when it comes to this. But I love music. I love yeah. music, hip hop, rap, rock, dance, pop, yeah. everything. Oh, especially classic pop, like eighties yeah, pop. See, I, a, yeah. People love. Some people I know hate that cheesy eighties music. I love it. Oh man, honestly, there's, there's really. some eighties music that uh, you hear it and you're you're going. Um, another interesting fact, I guess, I don't know if there's any musicians in the chat, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm an aspiring movie score symphony writer. So uh, I've composed 300 symphonies. Um, so along with, you know, it just shows that uh, if you're an athlete, 
it's not nor or it's not a ordinary I guess to to pursue other things. Like I want I want to be a children's book writer. I work with children for a career. I'm a early childhood educator, and um, but just because I'm a, a hockey player, or an athlete, and that's one of my skill base, it doesn't mean that you can't branch out into other things. Like I music, I have an addiction. Like it is there is something that music does for me that sports can't. There's an emotional connection. And there's something that writing does for me that sports can't. Um, so don't be afraid. Like if, if your friends are like, oh, that's stupid. Well, don't care what your friends say. Like, you know, be versatile in what, what you want to try. And uh, that's one thing I've learned that's opened so many doors. Like I, I'm currently building a, a massive stone patio. I'm doing stone masonry. I'm doing massive projects that, you know, I, I'm just learning because learn everything you can like there's no problem in your life to go out and say oh i want to learn guitar well go learn it like there's nothing stopping there's nothing holding you back i love playing guitar like if i go to a party and there's a guitar i'm playing guitar and i'm singing and um it's a special feeling it's uh you know i there's just there's certain things that uh that can do more for for you than you think and yeah don't be afraid to try new things like it's Failure sucks, but learning something new trumps failure any day of the week, and you'll be glad you, you got through it. That's well said. I mean, you know, like like you said perfectly, if you don't expand your horizons, learn new things, try new things, you don't – your brain's going to get, you know – You're getting a lull. Just going to shut down. You know, you've got to keep your mind and your brain stimulated. And the way you do that is you learn, you explore, you expand, you do new things, you learn new, th you read about new things. You just do things that are going to keep you uh, going and, and keep you, like you said, keep you not, not a one dimensional person. Like yeah. you're, you only know this, or you only know that, or you're only good at doing this, or you're only good at doing a certain thing. No, yeah. to be able to be, have that multiple things you could do things you can talk about that knowledge base is expanded to more than just a couple of things here and there and it's like you say if you just shut down and don't learn things when you're young it's going to show up when you're older and mm -hmm. i find you know the people that really don't go that extra mile to learn about things when they're younger they kind of pay the price for it from a me mental a mental acuity standpoint i guess you could say uh, as they get older yeah and i mean there's there's so many things in society that i i don't love the direction we're getting um in terms of like technology, like there's just some technological things I, I don't really love, especially teaching kids like they're addicted to screen time and, and I don't love that. Like I, I love, you know, everything in moderation is fine. Um, but there's more accepting around trying new things now. Like when we were younger, um, you know, you, you come from a certain town. If you didn't play hockey, you didn't fit in. Like at, uh, I don't know, I, I love the a fact or I, I guess the factor of we're now able to try new things and and be accepted for it because you know it's a, it is important and muscle memory is a thing like i uh, there are things i haven't done in 15 years that i i could probably go do now and do it at the level i did because i stuck it out i dedicated a certain amount of time to get into you know that whatever that was and uh, even even piano form it can uh I can take a large period of time off and uh, I can go back to it and play like I did before because I dedicated that time. And when you dedicate time to something, it's always going to be there. And even my Olympic weightlifting, um, 
I was a provincial champion. I qualified for worlds out of point and I got hurt. Like I got tendonitis in both wrists. Uh, I got sick and uh, I think I ended up losing 30 pounds. But um, if I go back to that at any point, I won't be lifting the, you know, 365 pounds I was lifting at the time, but I, I can still do 275 and I'm, I'm happy with that. But I also, it's not like I didn't build the base up. You build the base for anything and it's always going to be there in your back pocket. And, you know, with the way the world is, you can't have one choice. You know, you can't go, I want to be this. I expect to be this. You've got to put everything into that. You have to know that there's always going to be factors that might come into play and you have to have a backup plan. So, um, yeah, I've, I've just never shied away from trying to learn new things. And, and I'm hoping for, you know, one day it's going to benefit for me. So that, that's a big thing I would definitely recommend is explore options and, and yeah, don't be afraid to try new things. Oh, back on, uh, you're back on me. Yeah, I, think, I think it was somebody in our chat, uh, Brett, uh, that's, uh, yeah, exactly. That's twice now today. It's just one of those uh, days for getting the unmute button. But someone in our chat said, yeah, does every hockey player in the world golf? Uh, yeah, it's a common connection. Hockey players love to golf. Hockey players golf and country music. I mean, that mm-hmm. tree, I hate to be stereotypical of some, but that's a trio that is almost set in stone right now. Yeah. They love their hockey. They love their country music. Many hockey players, and oh, obviously, uh, they love stomping their feet. Well. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, all right, uh, we got work to do, Brett. We got some hockey to break down. Uh, let's get to it. We've got the uh, Vancouver Canucks and the Edmonton Oilers. Let's get the uh, let's get the uh, nonsense out of the way first. That's what this is. Nonsense. This game. Uh, Edmonton minus one ninety to minus two hundred, almost home favorites. Uh, so wow. they are big favorites in this game. Total six in this game. Six goals uh, shaded to the over slightly. Um, Dave Tippett, I've been obviously, I, I did my info. I did my reading for this game. I didn't plan on betting this game, and I'm not going to be betting this game. I'll say that right now. It's a pass for me. But the point of this show is to give for me to try to give you as good information as I can on every game. And Dave Tippett says our group is focused on finishing strong here this final game. You know, we don't yeah. want to go into the playoffs on a bad note, you know, playing less than our standard. And it looks like from a lineup standpoint for Edmonton, I think they're going to be cautious with Ryan McLeod, who, and I've said this to for days now on this show, they've yeah. found a third line Edmonton. They found some depth forwards with Ryan which, McLeod. Which sucks, some uh, yeah. sucks for other Canadian fans, but um it's what what Edmonton wants if they want to be successful um they they're going to need that third line they absolutely will um but he may not play we're looking at uh, Kaylor Yamamoto maybe uh out today as well so they are going to rest a couple of guys potentially the Oilers but it looks like we're going to see McDavid uh Brett's a golfing partner there uh, we're going to see him today uh James Neal Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh Tyson Berry Leon Draisaitl Yessa Puliarvi uh, it looks like they're all going to play Alex Chason, Dominic Cahoon, Darnell Nurse. There, so it looks like most of the regular lineup for the Oilers is going to suit up here uh, in this game for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, other than uh, Sutter, uh, it looks like they're going. And Pedersen, of course, we know is out for the rest of the season. He's been out for a while. They should have a f- pretty full lineup themselves. Travis Green's talked about. Look, it's been a trying season physically, mentally, emotionally. We've battled COVID. 
Uh, we've had all kinds of issues. We've had injuries. We're obviously not making the playoffs. We've had a disappointing season, but we still want to kind of finish the season strong. I thought they were pretty decent, competitive at least against Calgary uh, the other yeah. night, even though they fell short. I forgive them for the 5 nothing loss against Winnipeg earlier this week. It came the night after Montreal clinched that final playoff spot. So natural letdown where you realize, hey, reality is sinking well, in. We're and that's where the, the emotion, you know, yep. emotion of sport can be sometimes the biggest barrier. It's not the physical. It's uh, it's just as soon as you're you're down and you're not in that mode of like we're playing for something, you just you kind of go into a bit of shutdown. So that, that totally makes sense of why that happened. And then you have Winnipeg who's also uh, in a slump. And they just they want to get back on a roll. Like that's you look at even against the Leafs, they were they were working hard, and uh, they were successful last night. But they want to get back on track and go in the playoffs. Um, you know the way they were midseason, like they were untouchable for a little bit. So, no, no question. So. Miko Koskinen in net for the uh, Oilers. I don't like him all that much, to be honest with you. He hasn't played all that great. There's a reason Mike Smith's going to be the number one goalie. He's the, been the much better, superior goalie this season for the Canucks. They expect it to be Demko, but hasn't fully been confirmed yet. Like I said, I'm not betting this game. I lean yeah. to the over a little bit, especially now that Koskinen's in net, and because it looks like we're still going to see McDavid, Dreisaitl, all the big guns for Edmonton. It could be one of these up-and-down affairs, trade chances. Edmonton's not going to be looking to get anybody hurt blocking shots, all right? You're not blocking yeah. a ton of shots and sacrificing your body. In your last regular season game, when you're already clinched your spot, you know you're going to play Winnipeg in the first round. So I could see some goals in this game. Uh, yeah. Not going to bet the game, but I do lean. If there's any game that Vancouver's going to be, yeah. If there's any um, game that Vancouver's going to win, it's probably going to be this one. Um, I see, like, McDavid's obviously going to try to push as many points as possible. Like, he's he's obviously set such an accolade so far. Um, but I think the accolades are kind of done. Uh, he knows that the know what um what the big focus is and that is playoffs so i don't think he's going to bring his hundred percent yeah like you said he's not going to be blocking shots he's not going to be playing with as much grit because health going in the playoffs is such a big thing um but also he still wants to stay fine-tuned um and comparing to the game uh, between the auto senators and the leafs um ottawa's ottawa was excellent like they looked like a playoff team um they look like a team that can contend in the playoffs. And I never thought I would say that uh, looking after them uh, at the start of the year, but it just shows you of what can happen when, you know, you have no pressure and you just, you want to end the, uh, the year strong. So I can see Vancouver, if there's a time to bet for Vancouver against Edmonton, it's now. And uh, they're going to bring it. They just, they want to finish off for their fans too. Like it was a rough year in Vancouver. Um, we understand things didn't turn out the way that we hoped, but you know there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel, and we're gonna we're gonna finish strong and try to bring that towards next year. So yeah, I'm 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 going Vancouver on this one uh, in a close game though. Okay. I think Vancouver. All right, so I like it. First pick, first play recommended, first bet recommended for Brett, our special uh, guest, first time game on the ice, plus, guys. And he's going with a plus, six one, nothing. plus one seventy five underdog. I love it. That's good. And you're right. Vancouver, I think that for everything that's gone wrong and been extremely, I mean, it's been trying. It's been a, a tough season physically, mentally, emotionally, all of that. Um, 
So to me, yeah, uh, Vancouver, I think, plays hard today and wants to go out with a win, kind of like we've seen a few teams do that. We saw Ottawa. They wanted to go out with a win against Toronto uh, on Wednesday night, and the Senators got it done in that game. So you're right. This is one of those games where I would only look to the dog and I would lean over the total uh, as well. All right, let's get to the good stuff now. It's playoff time. It's the Boston Bruins and the Washington Capitals. Game one of the stand- of their series tonight, we've got Boston. Minus 125 road favorites here, total five and a half in this one. So I'm going to be brief with my analysis because we I went in depth on this series yesterday on our playoff preview show uh, with Jimmy Murphy. This is going to be the ice guys mostly with Brett Sontag today because he's going to be the star because we want to hear a lot from him because he goes in depth and we're going to give him that chance. So I'm just going to keep it brief here. Yeah. I said yesterday that I thought Boston had a defensive edge in this series. Yeah. I don't know what to expect from Vitek Vanacek. And if you go to naturalstattrick.com, yeah. a great site, and you look at high danger chances and expected goals margin, especially at five-on-five five even strength, Boston's better in a lot of those categories. And Washington's gotten away with a little bit shaky defensive play, too many quality looks, the slot area, they've given that up too much, uh, yeah. rebounds in front of the net that Vanacek the young goalie who is also playing in his first playoffs. Let's keep that Uh in mind. Uh, Is he ready to handle it? Boston does like to crash the net. I think the Bruins have transformed their offense since they got Taylor Hall. You see the reverberating effect. They've got to worry about a couple of lines now, who they match up with defensively on the other side. It's opened things up for David Krejci, who it's not a coincidence to me that he's played his best hockey of the season since they got Taylor Hall. And still without Charlie Coyle as well, this uh, Bruins team, and yet they've still managed to really get their offense going. I think if they keep this series at five-on-five, and it's a big if because the Capitals thrive at drawing penalties with their skill, with their speed, with Ovechkin and Oshie and Backstrom and company, and Mantha was a good pickup from Detroit at the trade deadline. If they get the power play opportunities, Brett, they are a lethal power play and they can do damage with it. But if Boston keeps this series five-on-five, I think they've got an advantage. I like them in the series, and I kind of like them in game one. We know there'll be no Kuznetsov, who's in the bad books of the Capitals, too. He's kind of broken COVID protocol off the ice, uh, and now he's dealing in COVID protocol right now. So uh, he's not going to play. There's a chance TJ Oshie is not cleared to play tonight as well for the Capitals. He looks like he's going to be a game-time decision. I like the Bruins in the series, but I think they got a chance to take game one. Yeah, tonight no, as well. And again, first playoff start ever for Vanacek. So I'm on Boston here, minus 125. Brett, let's get your thoughts here on the series and game one, Bruins and Capitals. Yeah, honestly, I think this this series among potentially every series has the uh, the makings to, to go down in history as a series. They There really isn't a, a, a clear edge between either team because they both uh, have ran with the same system for so long. Uh, they've both been very consistent with that system. You know, you look at Boston, like they've they run off the same core. Uh, as soon as you think Boston's not great, they you know they pick up a guy like Taylor Hall, um, who is obviously shining where where he is now. He's now newly motivated. He's working hard. He's becoming successful. Um, huge ad. Like I wish I wish it didn't happen because uh, I'm not a big Boston fan, being a Toronto fan. Um, but you have to give them credit. And they always find ways to have third line and fourth line guys that, that might not seem to be the best in the uh, regular season, but they bring it in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, you look like a guy, um, Riley Nash, who played 
for Boston against Toronto. Like those are the underrated guys that Boston seems to bring out and thrive. They somehow find, um, you know, players who, who might not have the best offensive numbers that are sleepers. Uh, but then they also bring that shutdown role and even on uh, uh, Grizzly um, on defense, like they're, they're really good talents on Boston. And a few weeks ago, I kind of had Boston pegged as not a, a favorite at all. But um, just with the team dynamic uh, since bringing Taylor Hall, it seems like it's a full revamp. And you can't really take out, um, you know, you never know how Tukarask is going to be, but uh, them having their, they have three good goalies now. Even, um, I don't even know how to say his name, Swanick or whatever. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, their, their third string, he was killing it. Like, they have very good goalie depth. We know goalie depth can go very far in the playoffs. They have very good defensive core. Um, losing the toughness is the day on Chara. Like, I know the guy's 43. Is he 43? He's getting older. Um, and facing the just his, team in the series, Zidane O'Charles. Yeah, I know. It's, that, that'll be a big, uh, big thing because he just has a size and intimidation to him that can can really change playoffs. So um, that'll be definitely an interesting thing. And with Tom Wilson, um, I think he's a little more scared. Like, I think he's going to be a bit more timid with all the, the flack going on him. Like, that stuff is hard to brush off mentally. You know, you have a whole, um, you know, hockey base who's very upset with the guy. Um, you know, he made a poor decision. Um, and, yeah, I, I in no way agree with it. But from his standpoint, like, that's old-time hockey. Like, that that's the hockey we saw in the 90s that we love to watch. And though in modern hockey it's, it's kind of frowned upon, um, he's just trying to, to play the play or play the way that, you know, he plays. And, and like a lot of people say, if you're a GM, you're never not taking a guy like that. He's just he's someone in the playoffs who is such a threat. Um, so if he, um, you know, they bring their toughness, I don't know if, if Boston can get around it. But if Boston can get around that, that toughness that Washington has and, uh, and get over the fear of, of what they bring, I think Boston definitely has the edge. But, you know, Ovechkin, he, he has an ability too that – uh, you know he's going to be hitting. You know he's going to open up his own lanes. And if you let him shoot, the guy can score 10 out of 10 times if he's in the right spot. So um, definitely Boston, but I don't count Washington out for a moment. Like They can they can bring it just as well so can, or as Boston can. Yeah, I'm with you. I like Boston. I don't love Boston, but I like Boston in this series. I like the way their trajectory has been. I think the, the their play from – the trade deadline onward has given me the faith to back Boston in this series. Yeah. I think, and Washington, I, I think the regular season you can get away with, you know, defense that's kind of up and down, kind of shaky. Uh, and then there's other instances where in the playoffs you don't get away with it quite as much. And I think this could be one of those situations. It's going to be a good series. It's probably going to be a competitive series. It will be. Washington's still a very good team, but yeah. I just think I give Vanacek's got to prove it to me. I still think Tuka Rask. Yeah who's been obviously BB guy and Swayman, if he were to get in is better than what you've got in goal with Washington, uh, the yeah. defense, I think in, in terms of the blue line, uh, Carlson is by the way, should be good to go. And Charlie Coyle is back tonight for yeah. Boston. So that's big. So you talk about now even more forward depth for this team going into this first round series, but I like the way the Bruins blue line is going. Now they're going to have Brandon Carlo healthy again, 
Grizz looks healthy. Charlie McAvoy, it's all hands on deck. Uh, on the flip side, I think there's some weakness in the bottom couple of defensemen for the uh, Capitals. I think some guys to watch out for for Washington, though. These are guys that are going to have to get it done because you can't always maybe – maybe Boston has that defensive matchup, Brett, for Ovechkin and yeah. Wilson, Backstrom, Oshie, and those guys, and Mantha. Lars Eller, Connor Sheary, and this Daniel Sprong, who has oh, yeah. actually been a big-time offensive catalyst down the stretch for the Washington Capitals. He has been good. If they get those depth forwards contributing offensively, making it more difficult for Bruce Cassidy and this you know pretty mm-hmm. regimented, solid Bruin defensive team to match up, you get some of these guys like a Sprong, like a uh, Sheary and Eller, Chipping in offensively and not yeah, just Shiri, big Shiri, that, Shiri has that's an ability. Yeah. I, I'd be worried of Shiri. Um he's got a he's got a tough edge to him. Um and he's he's showing that he has a lot more skill than a lot of people thought. Um so you know, with that if he brings out his workhorse uh, ability and and he wins those battles, um we know that Lars Eller, especially when he played for Montreal, like that guy was was their offense like he was a major part of their offense um you don't lose that you know he's not old enough to have lost it he just he has to you know get in the way that he was i don't know how many years ago we'll say six years ago but like um when that that ability is there it it is always there it's just finding the comfort in it and finding the people that can uh, support your abilities enough and and open up space so if if sherry um and Sprong, they can open up space for Lars Eller. I think Lars Eller is quite dangerous. Um, but I don't see him being somebody who can do it on his own anymore. So that'll be a big part is if they can open up channels and open up lanes for him to to do what he can do, then that's when the game changes. No doubt. Uh, very, that's, I think that's key for Washington. Because you, you, where are your options? I think Boston, believe it or not, you know they've got now all of a sudden guys that they can count on beyond. We you know Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marchand as a line are unbelievable for Boston. But we have seen now they're getting Hall, Krejci, uh, you know even Craig Smith got some offense going late in the season. The veteran they got him from Nashville. Uh, that's good. Well, Craig Washington Smith is a he's a sleeper man. That guy I've had him in so many times in fantasy. Um, he kind of goes hot and cold, I guess, on, on streaks, but he's proven like, um, you can, you can score the, you know, score goals and he, he's always playing tough and he's always, um, you know, throwing the body. Like he can, he can do a lot. So that's a big pickup for them. And I think that's a pickup that a lot of people don't think of. They think of the big names, but, uh, he was a large part of Nashville's offense and I, and Nashville's not a very, um, amazing team offensively. They've always been a goaltending defensive team. But he's been a portion of uh, the reason why they've had some offensive abilities. So, yeah, I definitely don't count him out at all. All right, let's go to the rest of the – now, I know we've gotten through the two games today, but we only have Brett with us today. Uh, we'll have him back again during the playoffs, certainly with this insight that he's bringing. He's going to we'll bring him back when he can do it. Uh, but we're going to get his thoughts now on the other series as well, one by one. We'll start with Islanders and Penguins. Uh, Pittsburgh, uh, in terms of game one, uh, they are minus 130 favorites, five uh, the total here in this one. Uh, they're about minus 140 to minus 150 series favorites. I always feared, and I said this yesterday, picking Pittsburgh the way I did, 
God, mm-hmm. going against Barry Trotz in the playoffs, what could I possibly be thinking doing that? Because all this guy does is have success. Nashville, Washington win the Stanley Cup. Islanders take them to the playoffs each year, including the East Final last year. But I don't know. Something was missing to me, Brett, watching this team. Like, I watch a shit ton of hockey every yeah. single day, every single night, and something was missing with this Islanders team. Uh, I saw goaltending from Varlamov was not what it was yeah. last year. I saw their forward and offensive depth not really score at key times. I've seen their big acquisition at the deadline, Kyle Palmieri, go completely into the tank offensively pretty much since they got him from New Jersey. I've seen Matt Barzell with brutal turnovers in the neutral Mm -hmm. zone, leading to goals for the as great an offensive player as he is. He's got that Mitch Marner syndrome. I can do a little Mm -hmm. nice little backhand pass, no look through the neutral zone and think we'll get a goal out of it. Problem is you do that. You could lead to a goal for the other team, and it's in your own net instead. Well, play, yeah, playoffs isn't uh, I'm going to run around with the puck whenever I want. Like that's that's where it really changes. Those those little giveaways are going to be the biggest detrimental effect on a team. And yeah, Barzell guy is a, is an absolute threat. You get that guy a little lane, and he's he's coming in it's and a he can turn on legs, a guy. <laughs> like exemplary um, turning ability. Like some of his goals I've watched, I would have gone headfirst in the boards. Like I'm a fast skater, but that guy can be on a, a 75 degree minus angle. Like he's he's like this, he's turning on a dime, and he can go from full speed stop, throw off the tempo of the goalie, and and score. Like there's there's definitely a threat, but if the ice doesn't open up for him, and if he's giving away um, chances to like on a defensive standpoint. Uh, he might not be as big of a threat in the playoffs as as you think, um, because we know that you know two way forwards is more important in, in playoffs. You know you have to have a team that can win two one. You can't have a team that is expected to win six one, and that's why I think the, you know for example the Leafs are so much better uh, than they have been in the past. Is they're proving that they can be a team that can win two one, not a team that relies on scoring six goals and it's going to win six four. Um, that's what wins in the playoffs. And um, I, I think Pittsburgh's got the advantage. Like, you can never count Crosby out, and a healthy Crosby is very dangerous. Um, but, yeah, with Jeff Carter, with that addition, like, the guy's been excellent. Um, we know, just like our Corey Perrys and other guys of that generation, um, and uh, Ryan Getzlav, like, they, they just have a hidden gem to their game that they can always bring. Uh, they might not be as fast. They might not have the same skill, but that knowledge and understanding of playoffs and, um, you know, it, it goes a long way. And the experience will never uh, be a negative thing, you know. Whether the guy ends up playing poorly and plays on the fourth line, he's still going to have leadership ability in the dressing room. He's going to have leadership ability on, on the bench. And he's going to find a way to be an impact. And that's, that's why, yeah, like, you can't be a one-dimensional player who, if, if you're not scoring, you're not providing any asset towards your team. You need to have the guys who can play three bad games be like, well, clearly I can't put the puck in the net, but I'm going to work harder in this way. I'm going to maybe play better defensively. I'm going to play jump and chase. I'm not going to try to run through defense. Like, it's uh, – that's the um, – the big part of playing in the playoffs is being proactive, not reactive. You know, um, you see an issue coming, try something different. Don't don't slump and and keep trying the same thing. 
you got to mix it up and you have to uh, be prepared for just, you know, the worst to happen. So, yeah, I definitely see that as a big ad. And uh, and I believe Anders Lee is still out, right? Yeah, Anders Lee's not coming back. You're, you're, you're right about yeah, that. So he's that, still that's on a IR. detrimental yeah. loss because he's got the skill. He's got the, um, you know, he's a guy who I've always ran in fantasy sports. Um He's not a big name. Obviously, New York Islanders are becoming a bigger market again. Um, but he, he was always a borderline free agent, and I never really understood why. He always put up goals. He always threw the body. Um, he was always power play guy. Like um, So I think with that loss out, even though they're, they're adjusting because he's been out for so long, I think he's a guy who, come playoff time, like he can be a, um, a reason why they don't win because – he just provides that that overall uh, versatility that other players in their lineup don't. And I don't know, uh, Pittsburgh's is running hot. Like they, I don't see anything stopping them uh, unless you know maybe a, a little bit of feistiness comes out in New York Islanders and Varlamov steals the series. So yeah, I definitely like Pittsburgh in this one. But um, yeah, we know how good uh, New York Islanders can be. So. Yeah, we definitely know how good they can be, and we know how good this coach can be. Barry Trotz at playoff time, but I just think the Islanders. I've seen I've seen a lot of them in the second half of the season, Brett, and they just didn't look sharp. Uh, they didn't score enough offensively. They didn't generate as much as I thought they could have. And I think they're going to have look. They're a defensive minded team. Barry Trotz is a stickler to the line match game. He is absolutely going to match lines. That's always been his coaching style. He's going to find it more difficult now. I mean, you look at Pittsburgh. It's Crosby, Rust, and Gensel. It's a great, great top line. I should point out for Pittsburgh, Malkin's a game-time decision for game yeah. one on Sunday afternoon. So keep that in mind. So he I haven't, I haven't done the research, but uh, how's Tanev doing? Tanev, they thought he was going to be ready for game one. Okay. Um, they, they say he's – of course, he's missed the last 17 games, upper body injury. Um, but again, they've had Frederick Goudreau, Goudreau, Zach Aston Reese, and Teddy Bluger, and guys like that have played well in yeah. that you know third fourth line spot for Pittsburgh. That they might not rush Brandon Tanev back, so he's a question for. So yeah, if he one. comes back, even game three, game four, like that guy um, had a highlight season before his injuries. Like I had him, and I wasn't dropping him in any. I had him in four leagues, and some of these leagues are even point focused, like they're plus minus and point. And he's always been a guy you can count on to, to get over 100 hits in a season. Um, so obviously in your leagues that require hitting, um, definitely a necessity. But he's changed his game a lot, and he's, he's showed a lot of offense in terms of offense and threat. Um, so I think definitely I thought he was back, but uh, once he comes back, that just fuels the fire for um, Pittsburgh because he can be that second-line guy, he can be that third-line guy. And he can play multi roles. He can he can score. He can be a plus guy, and he can also be a guy who get out of his way because he's going to be throwing the body. What you want at playoff time? You want players that are willing to have that physical element. You got to have some of that. Uh, but to me, the Islanders. Yeah, yeah, no question. And the thing that's going to be tougher for the Islanders is so much of the season early in the season it was Crosby, Rust, Gensel. You wouldn't you go beyond that. There's a drop off, but now you've got a legit. You've got Jared McCann has really shown me a lot offensively this year. Yeah, I see him this kind of offensive season. Jason Zucker is healthy again. And with Carter, 
You could put that threesome out there as a second power play group, for instance. Yeah. And then the first group is Crosby, Rust, Gensel. All of a sudden, you're just, whoa, there's options beyond yeah. just you know, Crosby's group. There's more yeah. options. There's more depth. There's more that can punish you offensively now with this Penguins team. And I want to talk a bit, Brad, about their blue line. Yeah. Chris Letang, since he didn't get traded, I think he's calm again. He's yeah. relaxed again. He's letting the game come to him. He's not mm -hmm. getting traded this year. Brian Burke and Ron Hextall have committed to giving this team a oh, chance Brian, to make it. I'm not a big Brian Burke fan, but man, that guy is, uh, he's done wonders with Pittsburgh. Um, I, I didn't like him when he was with the Leafs. I thought he, he focused on the wrong things. And that's just maybe uh, the transition of the changing of, of how hockey's gone. It's transitioned from toughness to, to skill. Um, and I think he tried to hang on the toughness side a little too long. But uh, yeah, he's, he's worked wonders. Um, I'm pretty impressed with, you know, we all know his, uh, his knowledge of hockey. Um, and I've definitely seen it grow more since he uh, was with the Leafs. Like when he was an analyst, um, you know, he, he spoke facts. Like he, he was very intelligent in terms of his knowledge and how, how to present it. Um, so yeah, huge ad. I, I didn't think at first he was going to make as much of a, um, you know, a presence in Pittsburgh as he has, but since he's been there, uh, crazy success. I think they're in fourth place when, uh, when he moved over there. So. Yeah. Uh, there, that, and look, and all of a sudden, yeah, that's and Jimmy and I talked about it on the show earlier this season. That's when we, that's when the season started to turn in Pittsburgh's direction was when they got the front office uh, shakeup happened uh, the management team with uh, bringing in Hextall and Burke and they kept everybody uh, around. They didn't trade anybody. They added Jeff Carter. And now all of a sudden this team's thinking a deep playoff run and their blue line. I mentioned it. Latang is, is healthy. He is calm and relaxed playing his best hockey down the stretch. They've got John Marino is going to be a great defenseman. Uh, Mike Matheson, they should have him back. What a season he's had. For the yeah. Pittsburgh Penguins, Mike Matheson's been outstanding for them uh, on the blue line, and of course Brian Dumoulin. When yeah. the Penguins play their best hockey, Brian Dumoulin is healthy. He's on the ice, and that's exactly uh, where the case is right here for him right now. So this blue line is, ex and they they play defense now. You couldn't yeah. have said that about Pittsburgh at times two three years ago, but they're yeah. playing good defense. They're giving Tristan Jari uh, a chance to make saves, and right now there's still questions with Jari. But with the blue line really playing well in front of him, I'm not as worried. And Jari, after a rough start to the season, he did play better uh, in the second half. So Brett likes Pittsburgh. I like Pittsburgh. I'm fearful of trots, but I still think Pittsburgh's the better squad right now, at least yeah. in my mind. Yeah, no, um, good stuff, Brett. Great analysis. Uh, we both like Boston a little bit. Uh, someone, people asking in the chat, for those of you that are just joining the show, uh, I like Boston. Brett likes Boston a little bit, but we think it'll be a close series. It's definitely not a cinch. I think that's going to be the, the biggest uh, series in terms of clash, that it's going to be yeah. close. And it can 100% uh, go either way. Um, I just think of, yeah, how Boston's looking as of recent. Um, if yeah. they can bring what they have, uh, I don't see anyone steamrolling through them as much as, right. yeah, like, um, I don't want them to win because, yeah, I'm not a huge Boston fan, but we know in the well, past. Brett is that, a fan, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we can, uh, we know that There's you can never history. count Boston out. They just, they have this yeah. uh, yeah, ability to transform into an entirely different team if need be. 
something's not working, well, they find a way. So, Yeah, exactly. All right, we'll move on to the next series here. Minnesota Wild, Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, we've got Vegas, a big uh, series favorite here uh, in this one uh, against Minnesota. Uh, with the uh, Vegas around minus 200 or so. Minnesota, big underdog here. In game one, Vegas is minus 160 home favorites at T-Mobile Arena, five and a half the total shaded to the over. Uh, we'll talk more about game ones specifically on tomorrow's show. Uh, this is more series thoughts in general from Brett uh, because we've got him just today. Uh, Minnesota, Vegas, look, uh, Minnesota's not going to be, Minnesota's played well head-to-head -head against Vegas. Kirill the Thrill Kaprizov has just totally changed this team offensively. I We have never been able to say, Brett, the Minnesota Wild are a quick strike offense mm -hmm. in our lifetime until this season with Kaprizov, with Fiala, with a healthy Zuccarello. Uh, go on down the list. A good blue line with Spurgeon, Dumba, Brodeen, uh, and company. And Seward can still play. That guy was yeah. killing me this year. Uh, I played against him a few times. I'm like, I remember him being, um, you know, back when I used to play. I can't – I can't remember the exact year he got drafted, but um, I remember he was always one of those guys who just had unbelievable potential. And I think he's finally filling into that potential that they had for him. Um, but yeah, he was kind of a sleeper for a while. Like I, it was a toss up to determine how successful he would be in the NHL. Um, but yeah, he's really kind of shaping into the player they thought he was going to be. Um, I, I, it's hard because Minnesota, uh, is kind of a an underrated, uh, you know, dynasty. Like they just find a way. They might not have the biggest names on the on offense. Like look in the past. Like who do who do they have that was a massive name? Like Zucker, uh, you know, Zucker. Like they had good players, but they they just find a way to play together. And uh, they're a team that yeah, you can never count out um, because on paper you might be like, oh yeah, uh, Minnesota's not very strong. But they find a way, and you know, Dumba is a great player in the playoffs, and um, and obviously their goaltender is doing excellent, and uh, and they have two solid goaltenders, which is another big part for playoffs. So, um, yeah, I think uh, they're running in hot in the playoffs for one, but they they don't have that pressure that Vegas has. Vegas um, is expected to be a top three team. And uh, sometimes taking away that pressure can be the biggest part or having that little bit of pressure um, can be a factor in you know, how things go. If, if Minnesota runs in with no worries in the world, plays the way they can play, um, they, can, you know, they can beat anybody. I don't see them like you know, easily walking through anybody. I don't think that's, uh, um, you know, they're not quite there yet because Obviously, uh, Kapuzov is not in his prime. They have a lot of young players that aren't. Uh, but they've, they've showed that they can contend with any team. And if they bring their top game uh, the way that they can with you know, the little pressure that I think they're going to have compared to Vegas, they can, they can make it through. And they're pretty uh, solid in terms of depth. So um, I, I think they can be definitely a tough team going in second, third round, even if they get past. So... I've seen a lot of people actually predict that Minnesota's going to win, and I was surprised by it. Uh, obviously, I know there's a Minnesota fan in, uh, in the chat, and um, but good for them, man. They're they're running with what they have, and they're playing a system that they uh, that they want to run, and they're successful because of it. You can have the best players in the world, but if you don't run a system that um, can win you a championship, 
you're never going to win a championship. And you know what? I think Dean Evison's had a huge impact on that. You know, Bruce Boudreaux wasn't always let the uh, horses out of the stable uh, type of approach with him. And certainly it wasn't that way with Mike Yo. And it absolutely was never that way with Jacques Lemaire. If you want to go way back in time to the infancy of the wild when all they did was trap all over the ice. But, you know, you look at this group now. Victor Rask and Sturm has all of a sudden percolated in recent games. Joel Erickson X had a good season. Nick Bonino has been in so many playoffs. His veteran presence in the postseason is going to help Minnesota uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, Zach Parise is actually the one guy you worry about because it's been one of his worst offensive seasons in a very long time. And you wonder if he's, you know, time's catching up to him. A lot of games he's in his late thirties now. Um, Marcus Foligno has been good. Uh, you know, like Marcus I said, Foligno is, that, that guy is going to be a huge, he's the same as a Brandon Tanner. Um, you yep. know that if he's not scoring, he's throwing the body and, uh, yes. you can never count him out of being in a play. Um, you know he's going to find a way to get in that game, and whether it's uh, yeah on the score sheet or it's uh, plus minus defensive play, he's going to find a way to make sure that you know he's on the ice. And yeah, you watch him; he, he's so exciting to watch because uh, I remember even last year when the Leafs um, played against him, and I had him on my fantasy team, and I hadn't really followed because, like I said, I. It's not a big market here in Canada that I see, at least, uh, Minnesota, maybe out west uh, in your Winnipeg, and obviously they're closer. But we don't really get a lot of uh, Minnesota, you know, where you see it. And um, but when the Leafs Yeah, unless you have NHL.tv or you stream them somehow, yeah. Yeah, but Felino, man, that guy was everywhere. He, whether he's throwing a big body check, he's, he's throwing a body check, and it's – He's that, that workhorse that I think will will be very impactful, especially uh, against Vegas. Vegas, I guess uh, a lot are saying, you know, they're not the grittiest team. They are very good defensively. Like, you know, they, uh, they come together as a team very well, but they're not known for being um, pro-round guys. Like they have, obviously, we know they have some tough guys, like really tough guys. But as a whole, they're not, not – uh, you know, as fearsome as a lot of other teams. So you got a guy like Felino throwing the body and, and kind of putting the fear in their eyes, and anything can happen. If there's going to be an upset, I think Minnesota is going to be the upset, to be honest. Uh-oh, you made yeah. our friend in our chat happy, Brett, with that comment. Yeah. Uh, he's excited to hear that. You like Minnesota. And look, it's I think it's a close series. I'm on the other side with Vegas, but boy, I'm not laying this price. I, this no. is one series. I, I picked Vegas, but I didn't bet Vegas. There's no. a big difference. And especially when you see the price being what it is around minus 200. Yeah. I think too with Vegas, I still need to see Ch like Chandler Stevenson played great down the stretch and yeah. they had some of their depth forwards finally step up. But a lot of the onus for them offensively is always on Stone, and it's on Pacioretty, and it's on Marcia So, Smith, and Carlson, uh, those guys as well. Let's see if them, what they get. A lot of them tampered off. off. Uh, Carlson wasn't as much of an offensive threat this year. Um, I had Pacioretty in, in three leagues, and he was excellent, but he's also often yeah. on injuries. So, um, you know, if he's healthy and he's playing the way he can, he's going to be a threat, but. Uh, it's pretty clear that there's lingering injuries there. So, like I said, you you play tough on the guy, and you might not be able to bring that offensive presence that he truly has. 
It's I say top thick slight edge Vegas slight, but because of Kaprizov and and Fiala are part of that, it's slight. It's very close to even, but maybe slightest of edge to Vegas. I think depth in the forward group Minnesota, I think yeah. actually has the edge there. Defense, I've got to give a slight edge when you get a Petrangelo to go with yeah. Theodore McNabb, who's excellent. Martinez, who's won a Stanley Cup or two with the Kings. Oh, Martinez, Martinez, there. totally. That guy, I used to pick him up strictly for blocking ability. You know, if I'm down three blocks uh, late on in the week and he plays Friday, Sunday, I'm picking up Martinez every time. But then I picked him up and he started scoring. Like, he, he's turning into um, a whole different, you know. You can move um, the puck. You can jump, move, join yeah. the play. Yeah. Yeah, yes. like, yeah. uh, he's he's, barely, he's uh, very much advancing his game in that standpoint. So I think he might be one of the bigger threats in terms of uh, Vegas defense. But – Vegas definitely has the edge defensively. They we know that uh, they have some players that um, are top tier defensemen. You know, how can't, many people would, would turn up any of those D on, in any fantasy team? Uh, Petrangelo had a rough year, but we just we know from experience how um, how he can be impactful in a hockey series. You know, he has so much experience. Um, he's so much skill. He has so much defensive ability. He's got some good size to him. Like. You can never count a guy like that out, whether he had a bad season or not. So I think he, um, him and uh, and Martinez can be two game changers in terms of the defense of Vegas. Yeah, and I love the uh, season Cam Talbot's had a net for Minnesota, no question. And he was good against Winnipeg, but Winnipeg was banged up in the bubble last year in that playoff series. Then he faced Dallas, and he wasn't quite as sharp. And he's been great this year. But I still think I gotta go with in terms of the goaltending battle, slight oh. edge Vegas. Oh no, with Vegas, Vegas. Holy, um, yeah. No, I had uh, I Mark Andre Fleury in five leagues, and that guy was a wizard. Um, he was my favorite goaltender until the uh, incident uh, in the World Juniors where he shot it off the player. Um, I remember I was such a big fan of the style he played. When I played, I was yeah. I was making massive saves. You know, getting out shot when I was younger, 65 plus to 10. And we'd, we'd come away with like a 2-1 loss. Like there's just something about him that I always saw, you know, a bit of me in. Just the reflex, the hybrid ability, and the excitement. Like he's just an exciting goalie to watch where um, you get a guy like Robin Leonard, uh, massive guy. Like they're completely different goalies on the spectrum. And... That can be a, a tough thing because as soon as you find a way to beat uh, Flurry, well, guess who's coming in that next game? And it's not going to be any way similar to scoring on Flurry. They're completely different goalies. So Stylistically, definitely different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, very well said. All right, great. We'll move on now to Florida and Tampa Bay. More great analysis. That I love the – he Brett's very good dissecting the players individually and giving you the you know, strengths, weaknesses, especially uh, you can tell. He's a player personnel-driven you know, thinker when it comes to NHL hockey. Uh, Tampa Bay, Florida. Uh, we've got Tampa Bay favored here in that minus 150 range of series favorites as well as favored in game one. Uh, I said it yesterday. I think Florida's live in this series to win it. I, I think the, a great bet is a great value bet plus 210. So you risk 100 mm -hmm. to win $210 here. Two plus 210 for the series to go seven games. Doesn't yeah. matter who wins, but the series to go the distance, seven games plus 210. Look, Tampa Bay, 
they're going to, it's like they made a trade at the deadline without actually making one, getting Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov back in the lineup. They'll be ready to go for game one uh, on Sunday night. Um, huge additions. We know how awesome they are. And that's big for Tampa Bay. And it's a worry for Florida, but I like Florida's depth. I like what I've seen from uh, Huberto and Barkov have been amazing. Carter Verhage, who they got from Tampa Bay, has been a revelation. Sam Bennett is a new man now with yeah. the fresh, uh, fresh scenery, fresh uh, slate, clean slate, uh, new surroundings. He's making the most of it. He is on fire down the stretch for the Panthers. Uh, you're getting a, a lot of contributions from different players on this Florida team. Don't forget about Frank Vetrano uh, as yeah. well, and he's his capability. The blue line, I think, is so, is undervalued. I think people are have not warmed up to the fact that this is a blue line that's playing a lot better than they have in the past. Even Radko Gudis, who's very slow afoot sometimes, yeah, he's been solid. Montour's yeah. been good getting mm-hmm. him from Buffalo. Strawman. Uh, and even without Ekblad, I thought Ekblad injury would be big for them, but they, the Montour yeah. uh, trade helped them. Uh, they, they have Yandel playing about as good as he has in a very long time. Like I said, Barkov, Bennett, Alex Wenberg, watch out. This guy mm-hmm. was a disappointment in Columbus, and now look at how he's playing uh, for the uh, Panthers up front as well. It's going to come down Bobrovsky, goalie Bob. What can you do? Can you get yeah. your shit together, man? Get yeah. your shit together and play well. <laughs> consistently can he do that and if he doesn't coach q has options chris drieger solid season spencer knight i'm not worried about spencer knight in a playoff series if he gets time in net he is calm he is poised and we know Mm -hmm. these rookie goalies have sometimes caught lightning in a bottle at playoff time jordan binnington all the way to the stanley cup winning it a few years ago cam ward if you want to go way back to 2006 with he did uh, leading the Carolina Hurricanes to the playoffs in his I, I actually season. I have a, a very interesting story. Uh, well, for one, uh, Aaron Eckblad uh, lived with my cousins in Barry, well, part of the Barry Colts. So I have uh, a bit of an insight for him. But uh, I have a big insight for Bennington. So I've met Bennington many times. and I, I Very know, competitive, very fiery oh, yeah. in terms of all I know Bennington's dad quite well as well. So I work in Muskoka Bay, another pro golf course in, in Muskoka. And Bennington had a house there. So I saw this guy shanking balls every, his dad, shanking balls every you know morning, 6.30 in the morning. Um, great guy. I, I used to hook him up with golf balls all the time. He loved it. I met Bennington uh, quite a bit. I believe I got to golf with him once because I had a buddy uh, named Pat who uh, played AAA with him in Vaughn. And so there was a bit of a connection. So I was working with Pat at Muskoka Bay while Bennington used to come golf there because obviously uh, in the summertime, he he spent a lot of time at his parents' house. So uh, this was before Bennington actually, uh, you know, uh, made it into the goalie that he's become. Uh, But one really interesting fact and this is why it's so hard as a goalie to make it in any way and uh is i met bennington's cousin um i I guess three months after they won the championship and he said that bennington went to um christmas dinner with their family and he was all he talked about was how he's about to quit hockey so he was playing in the ahl at the time Allen was the starting goalie, and he was minutes. Like, he was one one week away from basically quitting hockey. Guess what? He gets the call to go up to St. Louis. 
And that's a story that a lot of people wow. might not actually think of or know of. And that's, that was a person I talked to, um, his uncle about it. And, uh, he was really, you know, upset about it because as a goalie, if you don't get that opportunity or you have, uh, say five bad games in the NHL to start off, you could be the best goalie in the world and have five bad starts and your whole career is gone. There is no coming back from, from a certain image once you have it in a, in a play, uh, certain, you know, destination where you are. And he finally got that opportunity. He brought his game and, you know, he won a Stanley cup. Like what an amazing comeback story to think of a guy who is borderline taking up being a construction worker or something like a normal job and, uh, and turning it around and becoming a Stanley cup champion with within weeks of that thought of, I might never play goalie ever again, or I might become a beer league goalie. And yeah, what a success story um, in terms of Bennington. Wow. I thought that was so cool to, uh, to hear it that. Was. So basically a week away from saying uh, to hell with this, I'm, I'm not getting that next step of progression in my career and not yeah. getting that call, not getting that opportunity. I think I'm all, I'm just about ready to give up, call it quits, be done with it, move on to other things in life. Wow. I and mean, you're basically thinking about it. He gets the call and then gets called up to St. Louis. Cause remember they were struggling. They were reeling yeah. at the time. They just made the coaching change. I believe they just gotten rid of yo and brought in Barube and they're looking for some kind of spark uh, and sure enough, he gets that chance and he run, makes the most of it. He runs with it. And there you go, Stanley Cup champs. And now he's firmly entrenched as the number one guy ever since. Yeah, uh, no, it's crazy. That's amazing. yeah I didn't yeah. know that backstory that he was about to quit, that he was about to no, just no, it, 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 it was cool to hear about. Yeah, because even um, I was, uh, it was at Mike Fountain's hockey school. So I've worked that for uh, three years now. And uh, yeah, I think it was taken over by Chris King, so it, it takes place in my hometown, hometown of Gravenhurst, and uh, they kind of they have a really good um, program going on in Michigan. Uh, I believe in Flint, but there's another place in Michigan uh, that Mike Fountain is is very known for. He's a former NHLer, so great guy. Like he's actually uh, been a family friend for over 20 years, and yeah, I ended up uh, just. Uh, Bennington's cousin, who is his little cousin, um, he was the goalie for my team. So I'm coaching Bennington's little cousin. Didn't really know until, you know, afterwards when I was talking to the father. And, uh, yeah, and then he told me that backstory while we're in line getting food at the uh, the end of the um, the camp. Like, uh, everyone gets free food at the end, whatever. And it, I'm so glad I had that conversation because as a goalie, um, I had just – tremendous ability and I had good you know mental toughness but I never had great mental toughness so it was just kind of a cool thing to to hear about the struggle of somebody else and that they were able to turn it around and uh, make a name for themselves because we often just hear of, of goalies uh, flying under the radar and, and when that chance doesn't come uh, it's really hard mentally you think of what what could have been and that's one of the things I, I find in life that uh, we often struggle with even going and getting older is the thought of what could have been if maybe I, I gave it uh, this little bit extra effort, what could have been if I, I just gotten luckier in this point or, or won this championship or won that or, or change teams. Like um, I look at my brother, my brother used to play against Stamkos, Delzato and all those guys. My brother was on par 
with Matt Duchesne in AAA hockey. Matt Duchesne played for Central Ontario Wolves. My brother played for North Central Predators. Um, Central Ontario and the Southern teams, um, he played against John Darren Archibald. My brother put up more points than Darren Archibald. The guy's been playing in the NHL, um, and he's been fairly successful. So you look at um, certain markets, and I, that's why AAA is, uh, can be a dangerous thing because, um, you know, you don't give the respect to uh, certain markets. And, you know, I played for uh, the Predators as well. Like, you, you drive to Quinty on a Monday night. That's a three-hour drive to play one hockey game. You're coming home. You're going home at 2.30 in the morning. And, um, you know, and you're, you're putting up the same points as other guys, but because you're in Muskoka or you're in that area where people don't really give the credit that they do. And, uh, yeah, my brother was, um, at one point top three in Canada for triple uh, A points. This was the season after that, um, Stamkos and all the guys had moved on. I think that's a cool accolade, but, um, you know, my brother was set on D1 didn't happen and uh he ended up just playing junior a and in the gmhl he set the the all-time points record in the gmhl which i think is cool um but it's amazing how certain opportunities if they don't happen and they don't happen at the right time you know you you always it's hard not to to think back of like what could have been and i think that's the hardest part as a hockey player is you have to know that nothing's a sure thing one injury or one you know, situation that doesn't work your way can be the factor that that determines your career, and you you have to be able to live with that. And sometimes that's where you know, I sometimes have anxieties around it. Um, you feel like um, you know, you're not not doing as much as what you're capable, and uh, we all have that. And just know that you have to you have to understand that sometimes it's completely out of your control. Sometimes you're gonna have the Bennington story where you you're thinking of quitting. And sometimes you're going to be the guy who uh, is expected to be a Connor McDavid, like Neil Yakupov, and and virtually do nothing for the NHL. That's a good so, comparison. Yeah, you have to live with with what happens in life. You can't dwell upon that because you're going to live a life of uh, of negativity, and you have to just you have to you know reassess your life and and think where can I move on from this? Not you know well it could have been this, could have been this. There's a there's a big negativity of that that can happen, and I've seen it through myself. I sometimes I wish I was doing more. I wish I was uh, doing certain things that I wanted to do, and I, I sometimes get really upset over it. But I have to you know take a step back and realize, um, you know, I'm doing a lot of great things in my life. I'm I'm doing the best that I can, and sometimes it's it's a hard thing to do. But you got to you know be appreciative of what you have, what you've done for yourself. And think, where can I go from where I am now? Not where could I? Have been. Wow, that's a, that's a, that's incredible stuff. Like what Brett's just uh, he's given us stories about Connor McDavid and Jordan Binnington almost quitting hockey and coming back and giving us motivational speaker advice. Great, yeah, wow. you know, insight to your own life. I mean, he, he, jack of all trades here and good at hockey analysis as well. I mean, all kinds. Of, but yeah, th- that's a great point too. And you're right, timing is everything. Why am I doing what I'm doing today as a sports better and handicapper? And I love it. The door opened for me at the right time. I was pissed mm-hmm. off with what I was doing before. I wasn't getting uh, kind of like Bennington. I wasn't advancing in software. I was not. Yeah. That's what I graduated from college for. And I love sports. Uh, I was just starting to get into the betting side of things, uh, at, you know, 2010. 
And all of a sudden the doors open. You know, I know people in the business like Teddy Covers, Aaron Renning, who ran sportsmemo.com back then, uh, that saw that I was given, you know, good sports betting advice. My picks were solid. Winning percentage was good. Got that first shot. And I've never looked back and I've enjoyed this job thoroughly. And I'm enjoying it now more than ever because of sports betting legalization, you know, sweeping across North America, where now everybody wants sports betting content and talking about betting. And people that know about it, uh, everybody wants their piece of this pie. And this industry is going to be a billion-dollar industry for the next five to ten years. And now I'm just right on the precipice of that happening, and I'm going to be part of it. So I'm excited about my future. And it would never have happened if I didn't go for it, take a Uh chance, go with what I wanted, go what was in my gut, in my heart. I did that, and I'm I'm, I'm better in my life right now because of it. And and that's the thing is – you know, there's an ideology of what is success. Um, is success being able to show what you make on paper or is success to be able to show who you've influenced and, and what you've done um, to influence others? You know, are you going to be remembered for somebody, uh, you know, where you screwed people over? Are you going to be remembered as somebody who, who went out of your way to better the lives of other people? And sometimes you just you have to think, is is this because I just want to make a lot of money or is this something that I will be content doing? Because yeah, they say, obviously, um, you know, they've always said, uh, you, you work a hobby, you feel like you've never, you're never working a day in your life. And, um, you know, and that's, I guess what it's like to be a hockey player. Like, yep, it doesn't feel like work for them. And, uh, so search out for that goal. Like we don't all want to work nine to five. Like I, I've worked 12 hour days virtually for the last five years and I'm frankly done with it. Like that's why I get stressed um, myself. You know, you want to progress in life and, uh, but you, you don't want to, to take up all your time. You want to be content with what you're doing and content with uh, how you're impacting others. So finding that, that right spot might be a process and it might take a long time, but you have to just be patient and, and wait for that to happen. So, yeah, about Bennington, someone in the chat asking how old he is. He's 27 right now. So, again, you know, didn't get that opportunity till a little bit later on. And, yeah, Bennington, great – Yarich has – this is funny. Jordan Bennington goes from wanting to quit hockey to telling the media, do I look nervous, all in a couple months. That's great. You're right because he had that quote, yeah, do I look nervous. See, what a change that can be. Uh, unbelievable turnaround in his life and his career. Uh, no question about that. What a story that was. Uh, that Brett gave us there about uh, Jordan Bennington. But uh, back to Tampa Bay, Florida. One last thing I'll say, and then we'll get your thoughts, Brett, on this Sunshine State showdown. Obviously adding Stamkos and Kucherov, and you've already got Point, Pollock, Kalorn, Tyler Johnson, who's usually a playoff performer, usually raises his game at playoff time, Blake Coleman, Barclay Goudreau. I mean, you've got a loaded forward group now with Stamkos and Kucherov back. But I don't think Florida is going to quake in their boots against Tampa. I give them a shot. Brett, what's your uh, take here on Tampa Bay, Florida? Honestly, uh, I'm taking Tampa. Actually, sorry, I'm taking Florida. Um, Tampa, obviously the favorite. Um, you hear anything Tampa, you're thinking they're the best player or our best team in the league. Um, but the part I worry about, is if Tampa can get past this first round, I think they are the biggest contenders in the league. Uh, but we know that, obviously, coming off injury, you have a guy like Stamkos, Kucherov, and and uh, Victor Hedman, who's currently battling an injury. How, how are those lingering injuries going to 
you know, progress because if um, Florida comes out with, you know, the guns that they have and uh, they bring it and they throw the body and, and they don't give those guys time to adjust, I don't see Tampa being a big threat. Um, you know, Vasilevsky, yes, we know you can win a series. The guy is, you know, arguably the best goal in the world. Um, but health is the biggest part in playoffs. We, you know, you need to have a healthy team. You need to have a team that is uh, adjusted to the systems. And with those guys being out so far, you know, we know that Tampa can be successful without them. But they're going to be back in the lineup, and uh, they might be taking on more than they, they can. Um, Kucherov, such a dangerous guy, but we had the entire season off. Um, what, what is he going to do? If he comes out hot and you let him get to the Kucherov we know, yeah, Tampa Bay is going to wipe through. Um, you let, you know, Steven Stamkos, who is, is my favorite player in the, uh, in the NHL, um, you let him go and you let him be 60-goal Steven Stamkos, the guy's unstoppable. Like, um, But I think with even uh, Barkov's his two-way defensive ability and with Huberto playing the way he is, and just their overall demeanor in, in Florida, again, less pressure. Florida has never really been a big pressure uh, um, dynasty or, I guess, uh, destination for anybody. You go to Florida and and there's not many fans and you're not having people hounding you in the media. And um, yeah, I just, I see Florida coming out, they come out hot and they shut down those big guys early. Then it'll be hard for Tampa Bay to come back into that. And though Tampa Bay, yeah, Tampa Bay comes in plays the way they can. Nobody's stopping. Not, not a question, but with, in terms of health, uh, Florida comes out and plays their game right away and does not give them that chance to adjust. I take Florida. There you go. Uh, making the case for Florida. Brett Sontag, our special guest today, liking the Florida Panthers here uh, in this series against Tampa Bay. That's arguably the one I'm most looking forward yeah, to. It should be, a good one. it should be an exciting series. Again, I'll give my game-by-game -game thoughts, game one specifically, when we get to Monday or tomorrow on with this uh, series. We'll give you my game one uh, thoughts. Uh, next series, Nashville, Carolina. Carolina minus 250 series price here in this one. Uh, Brett, I like Carolina. I just think they're too like good they, I've been this, team, uh, this season. I love the fact that when I look at these two, look, Nashville, credit to them. I oh, gave up yeah, on they them. Have, they have outperformed. Um, you know, you, you tell me how good they're going to do at the start of the year. They have outperformed immensely of what I thought their team was going to bring. Um, having yeah, exactly. a lot of their players, yeah. Start of the year, I had a few of their players. Yeah, I was just going to uh, throw this th thing out here to you uh, about these two. Uh, game breakers. I trust Svechnikov, Aho, Taravainen, yeah. uh, all of these guys. Trocek's been amazing for Carolina. If he comes, if he's healthy and ready to go, there's another weapon for them. They're four. Jordan Stahl's been a great captain, and he's down oh, the line. Jordan still Stahl loves to hit. Like That guy is, is just such a good playoff player. Uh, yeah, he sure is. Yeah. Yeah, and Carolina's blue line, one through six. I think they're there, and nobody's going to think. You know, we really think one through six are as good as, or one of the best blue lines collectively in the league. I do believe that with Brady Shea, Dougie Hamilton, with Brett Pesci, uh, with Jacob Slavin, uh, with y Yoni Hockenpah. They got him from Anaheim at the deadline. He's been amazing. They get mm -hmm. him, and he's just fit fit into that blue line, and he's been terrific. Uh, the goaltending of Alex Nedeljkovic was amazing, incredible. He's got AHL winning experience as well. Went to the Calder Cup there. 
Uh, he knows how to get it done. Uh, to me, there's just too much forward depth, defensive well, don't, depth. Don't count out Morazic either. Yeah, we yeah, even if the guy's injured, that guy is. We know he loves the big stage. I, I remember when he played in the World Juniors. Like the guy loves to be, you know, in the spotlight. And yeah, if he catches fire, even like they have a you know, a dynamic duo between their goaltending. You know, they have a goalie who who is. Uh, exceeded expectation like i i didn't even really know who the guy was prior to but he's showing that same thing you know you come in and you you start off on a positive note and you run with it you can be successful but also with Mrazek, like you can never uh take him out and even reimer like reimer i know he had the issue in toronto where you know we had the blown you know 2013 it's always dwelling another reason why it's so hard to be a goalie your uh, sometimes minutes of time in your life dwells upon the entirety of who you are as a goalie. And luckily he's gotten around it in Carolina and he's kind of played, you know, out of his, out of his um, shell of, you know, I am a good goalie and I can be a good goalie. So I don't even count him out. Like they have a one, two, three punch of a threat and defense and goalie and their offense is outstanding. You sometimes forget about how good Carolina is. Marty Netchash. I didn't even mention him. Martin Netchash for the Carolina Hurricanes. How good's that guy been uh, yeah. this season? Not Another guy who, uh, who killed me in fantasy hockey. I'm like, who the heck is this guy? And my buddy picked him up off free agency. And he, uh, yeah, honestly, he really uh, was a pain in the ass for me. Because uh, <laughs> he put up 70 points in the one fantasy league. It was a, a point system. Yeah, put up 70 points one week. I'm like... I don't even know who this guy is that much. Like, uh, and he's he's almost made me lose. Um, you know, I made it to the finals in that league. But yeah, he was almost the factor that made me lose that series. And uh, yeah, and he's just one of those depth guys that you know is is only going to make them better. Yeah, and to me, I trust the offensive wet game breakers, the top forwards of Carolina to score big goals at big times in playoff games than I do. Your uh, Duchesne and Johansson, and yeah. you know uh, the come and go. I mean, you, and you don't always get them stepping up in the bend. Even Philip Forsberg was slow to get back to his A level, returning uh, from injury. I think that's a difference. And I like Yossi Ekholm and Ellis, great yeah. three on the blue line for Nashville. But there's a drop off in my opinion after that, uh, after those three guys. And to me, as great as UC Soros has been, it's been oh, so yeah. good. Do- He's yeah, played a lot of yeah. hockey. The only way for Nashville, uh, same thing, I know we're getting into the Montreal next, is if they can play that uh, that shutdown defensive and win 2-1 games, yes. that is their only chance. They have a chance. There, There is – anybody can beat anybody, but it comes no down doubt. to playing their system. If they know they can't out-offense um, Carolina, they have to play tough and they have to shut them down. They have to make it so they can't channel lanes. They can't – Get Smesnikov and uh, and Aho giving them free shots. Like it's got to be um, their game, and they have to be like, you know what? We're not out of this. We can win it. Just like Columbus beating Tampa, you can't count a team out that knows how to play defense or and you know run with a hot goalie. But they have to do everything in their power if they want to have a chance. So big- you can argue Nashville had that down the stretch as well, that they had the good defense and they had Soros playing well. But here's the issue. There's a reason Carolina is loved by analytics and the number crunchers 
and the advanced metrics people, it's because Corsi puck possession, all of those things, they have the puck more than their opponent. And it's almost that way. Every game, they consistently outshoot their opponent. They consistently generate more and give up less in terms of high danger chances than their opponent. And for Nashville, if you're chasing the puck all night and you've played a lot of tough hockey, expended a lot of energy to make the playoffs, you could wear down in a best seven series against this style that are relentless on the puck. They have the puck a lot, and when they don't have it, they hound it to get it back again. That's Carolina's style, and it could be trouble for Nashville wearing them down over the course of the series. So uh, I'll let you have the floor, Brett. Final thoughts on this series. Yeah, no, I definitely – Carolina. They just – they have two – too consistent of a team all the way through. Um, yeah, like I said, Nashville has to play at 100%. Carolina has to play at, we'll say, 65 to 70%. Uh, if there's going to be any way of this happening, Nashville's going to have to get good bounces and and throw the puck on net as much as possible. They're going to need Ellis to be a big factor, um, throwing the puck on net. The OC is his offensive ability. Uh, they're really relying on their defensive core. And if their their offense can open up shot and um, shooting lanes from the defense, I think that, you know, there is that chance, but big time advantage for Carolina. Uh, very worrisome, actually. You sometimes, uh, like I said, you have a few sleeper guys like Jordan Stahl on Carolina. And when you really look at their numbers, they're plus minus, they're hitting their, their goals and, and even uh, face off one. Like um, Jordan Stahl is a threat on the faceoff, like he, he wins a high percentage or he at least takes a lot of draws because anytime I've had him, he, um, very, very good in that. And that's big. Like you, uh, like they said, if you're winning draws and you're on a team that has a high ability to, you know, maintain puck possession, how do you get the puck off them? They win a draw, you're chasing, you're chasing the entire, uh, shift. And then, um, yeah, that's sometimes a, a little category that a lot of people don't think of in the playoffs is you want to have puck possession all the time. You want to make them chase, make an error. And if you're winning faceoffs, you're having the puck initially you know, on every possession opportunity. That, and it's true. You wear yourself out more playing defense when you don't have the puck than when you play on offense when you do have the puck. So there's a goes right to that point. Uh, that this, yeah, if if Nashville doesn't have the puck as much, Carolina does, uh, they're going to have some struggles. Uh, and again, because they played such intense, every game's been like an important game for Nashville, second half of the season, trying to make this playoff push. This could be one where they just hit a physical wall the longer it goes if they got to chase Carolina around. Uh, yeah. for a in a best of seven series. So uh, we're both liking Carolina there in some form. I like Carolina minus one and a half games, minus 120 to win this series in six games or less. Yeah, I'm, it's thinking, better I'm thinking Carolina in five, if we're being honest. Uh, yeah, I think I'll even, I am willing to give them six, Nashville, uh, in this series, because all I need is four, five, or six with the minus one and a half spread on yeah. Carolina in terms of series. But uh, yeah, I think uh, – It'll, I think Carolina will wrap it up before it gets to seven. St. Louis and Colorado. Obviously, Colorado is an enormous series favorite here. Their A game can beat anybody on any night. I would like the way they, it's the Kings. I get it when they clinched the division the other night, but it was domination. LA barely had the puck, barely for that entire game. Colorado's getting Burakovsky, Don Skoy, depth forwards now starting to score again. Tyson Jost. 
What a night yeah. he had uh, for Colorado. If they get those guys contributing to go with the big three of McKinnon, Landerskog, and Rantanen, this is dynamite waiting to happen with this hockey team. They're blue line. They're all puck movers. They're all mobile. They all skate like the wind. Byron, mm-hmm. McCarr, Graves, uh, yeah. Gerard, uh, go on down the list. I mean, Byram has been injured, and they've still not skipped a beat. Eric Johnson's been a perennial, st- strong veteran defenseman. Eric Johnson, you never can count him. Devon Taves, what an, what an acquisition, Brett. Devon Taves from the New York Islanders. He's Man, been a I, I had him in fantasy, and he surprised the hell out of me. Um, I had him, I had Gerard for a while, and yeah, like any. Um, it seems like just the positivity in that market is allowing for for people to thrive. Um, you know, they know they have an amazing team and they're running with it. There's no, they're still not like hard on their team. Like they have a, a bad game. And that's why as a Leaf fan, I think we can sometimes be way too negative is, is you're allowed to have a bad team. The worst thing you can do is, um, you know, go too much analysis on one bad game implementing or, or what your future is. Do you draw on the past or do you look for the future? And I think that's where the Leafs can be uh, too a little, you know, emotional in certain circumstances. But Colorado has this still. They don't have that same pressure. And they're allowing some of their uh, their weaker players that, like, I didn't even know a few of their uh, – I knew Brandon Saad, but I didn't know a few of their depth guys. And they're putting up, you know, extremely good numbers. So, you know, they uh, they have, in my opinion, the best – first line in the league like the best five um but if they're gonna lose the only way to to take them down is to a shut down their their puck moving ability and b beat the hell out of them you know they have very good defensive defensemen you got to beat the hell out of them and, and strike fear in those guys or else they're not losing you know you give them any space to do what they do they're gonna win but i also don't see them having the grit factor that a lot of teams do so you look at a team like um, St. Louis, you can't count out their their uh, heart. Like they, they won a championship recently and uh, you know they're going to be coming out strong and throwing the body. I don't like at all St. Louis winning the series, but I don't think they're going to, um, you know, give it up as easily as, as everyone would say. Like on paper, you see it, you're like, oh, well, Colorado's going to win in, in four because – you know, you almost have to be dumb to think any differently than that. But just due to the path of uh, or the past that St. Louis has, they show that they they can take them to six. They can take them to seven. You never know with yep. St. Louis. That's why I'm Stanley Cup good. winners, a lot of them. Tory Krug, even you know, with uh, now that he's with St. Louis, he's got a lot of playoff experience. You know, O'Reilly's already guaranteeing they're going to win. He said it the other day in a quote, and that's a former. T- and he's not the kind of guy to usually do that. No. State of the public that hey, we're going to win this series. He's usually a pretty good. He just he's quiet. He goes about his business. He's a great player, a great yeah. leader. But he goes about his business on the ice. For Ryan O'Reilly, especially against a team that he probably has a lot of fondness for, played for Colorado, to to go out there and guarantee a series win, that's telling. That yeah. maybe this St. Louis team has way more belief and maybe has much more must have of a matchup possibility to make this an interesting series than a lot of people think. Yeah, you uh, hockey is always interesting because you look at certain teams, like um, you match them up, and there's so many teams that might have the best offensive ability among any team in the league, 
But they go against a shutdown system that in the playoffs, they get them off their game. They, you know, like I said, beat the hell out of them. Uh, if you don't show what you have right away, sometimes teams will walk all over you. But if you shut down a system that is as skilled as what Colorado is, I don't see them having that, that grip factor to keep up with them toughness-wise. So if they can somehow find a way to take away that, um, you know, the lanes that we know they're going to have, we know how well the, the puck movement in Colorado is. But if that's not happening, then what what do they have? They have, you know, great goaltending in Grubauer. And, uh, you know, they're just – that's the one thing they don't have. They have kind of on paper the best team you could think of. But do I see them uh, matching up toe-to-toe in, in feistiness? Not as much. Right. I would agree with that for sure. Uh, Colorado, I think uh, I picked, I actually bet four to two in this series because I gave the Blues a couple of games. Four to two. Thinking at least Colorado. a six. I'm thinking a six. Yeah, exactly. And the thing with Colorado uh, is that their blue line, you want to know why they're exciting. They have blue liners that always are pinching, can jump into the play. Yeah. Why can they do that? Why can they afford to do that? Because they skate like incredibly well and can get back in transition and still get back and. Be in good position against a potential odd man rush or, or an ad- man advantage situation the other way. And yeah. not many teams can say that. That your blue liners collectively as a group skate so well and so fast and so fluidly that they can get back in position, thwart a short uh, uh, an odd man rush the other way if you turn it over on a, and you and you go in deep and you pinch. There's not many teams that can say that. Colorado's got blue liners. Colorado has been standing at times. And I, yeah, I think that's beyond that's a big part of what I mean by the you know beat the hell out of, of your opponent. And yeah, if Colorado is allowed to play with that pinching ability and to keep the puck in the zone, they're gonna move the puck so well that there's gonna be a lot of danger um, for St. Louis. But what St. Louis can do is pick up on that and obviously they're gonna maybe make that an element of their game. Let or don't let them get into that system of we're going to control your zone because we're so fast that we can do what we want. Well, maybe St. Louis goes out and just runs through them. Like, remember it's playoffs. Everybody's going to be finishing every check. So in the, in the regular season, you might have a guy like McCarr pinching and not being nervous of getting throttled, but then now it's playoffs. Like you, uh, you drop your head down to keep the puck in and you're getting, you know, uh, hit like a bulldozer. Like it's uh, it's a totally different game, and yeah, if uh, they play their system and you know play the way they can, Colorado is is not getting stopped, just like um, like Tampa Bay. But if they are shut downable by uh, being at work and on the toughness side, I think that's the only way they're getting beat. So uh, yeah, definitely. Um, they need to be boxed out. They need to have those chances limited for sure. And, yeah, to be at work. So, there's a yeah, chance. Pareko, but, yeah. 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 Keep your eye on uh, Colton Pareko's status. You're, he's had so many in his injuries this year, up and down. He didn't play Thursday. He dealt with an upper body injury, you know, late April, missed time with the back injury earlier this season. Uh so we'll, we'll see. We don't know if it's going to force him to miss game one or beyond. Uh, Craig Berube hasn't 
ruled him out yet for game one, Colton Pareko. But if he's not in for game one, that's a huge hole on that blue line for St. Louis against a team you can't afford a huge hole on that blue line against. You just can't afford it. So Pareko's status is very important. It's an impact injury and an impact absence if he can't play game one. Well, thinking about one important thing of the playoffs is we sometimes overanalyze the um, the effects of having four deep lines. So obviously on paper, yeah, you want to have four deep lines. You want to have a line that is a fourth line that can keep up with somebody else's first line. But in terms of defense, you only really need to have, you need to have four good D, 100%, and you need to have two shutdown Ds if they're paired. But you look at uh, Columbus beating Toronto last year. What were the minutes on Wierenski and what were the minutes on Seth Jones? They virtually didn't get off the ice. So they ran with what they had. And, uh, yeah, that's why, you know, Perenko, being a player that has the ability that he does, has the size that he does, he's going to have to play 25 to 30 minutes a game if they have any hopes of, uh, of playing it. And if he's injured, like, is that even possible? So I think that'll be a, a major factor on the success of St. Louis is – can they run with um, their defensive core at the at the level that they're going to need to, or is it uh, not going to work out? It's already a team without Gunnarsson that's got Vince Dunn day to day. Pareko might be out. You're going to have to run more with Justin Falk, with Robert Portugo, yeah. with Tori Krug, with Marco Scandella. I mean, yeah. they're going to get infinitely more minutes. Uh, if indeed we see no Pareko in game one and possibly beyond here for the Blues. So this is a situation to monitor. Without, we also saw uh, a big drop-off on Justin Falk. Um, I had him early on in the season. He was uh, insane plus minus. He was putting up great numbers. And I just saw a bit of a change. Like he, uh, he definitely tailored off. So if he can get back to where he was at the start of the year, I could see him being a major threat. Um, he might have turned it on a little bit later on in the year, but uh, he had a big slump kind of in that middle section of the year. And if he can get back to you know where he was and the capabilities that he can, and he can he can be that thirty point player, thirty minute player with Tory Krug, and Tory Krug never stops moving his feet. So I think he uh, defensively is very similar to the guys from Colorado in the terms of like he can move the puck excellent. He's also not afraid to pinch and uh, and play that same style of game. So don't expect him. You've got to throw him around like a rag doll if you're going to want to be successful against him he could, because he never stops moving. All right. Yeah, all right. Great analysis there, uh, Brett. Once again, we're down to the North Division Series, the last two uh, for our playoff preview. Before we get to that, one quick question. You're the goalie guy. You've got That's your experience. That's your background in hockey. Philip Grubauer, are you a believer? Because I still hear people saying, I don't know about that Grubauer guy. He's going to have to show it to me. When what you see with what you've seen to this point, Philip Grubauer, you believe in him maybe taking Colorado to a Stanley Cup. You think he can do it? I think he can do it 100%. Um, I look at him and he, going into the year, I actually uh, I took their backup, Fran Kuz or whatever. Uh, I took him over Grubauer. Ended up being a horrible decision because of how Grubauer's uh, season went. And I did it in two leagues. And I was, uh, but like you said, defense wins. And um, even if Grubauer isn't on his A game, he has a team in front of him that can, has the ability to make up for it. So, um, 
am I 100% confident in him? Maybe not 100% in terms of him on in an individual level, but uh, I know for a fact that, you know, he can do it. But, no, I'm not 100% on his overall. But he's on a team that um, if he plays the way he needs to play, then he's fine. And and that'll be a big factor. He he doesn't need to win them games. He needs to play well. There's, he needs to be no, solid. He needs to be, standard, needs to be right. solid and do his job. He's not going to have to make those insane saves that uh, Bennington's going to have to make. Like, you get uh, Colorado on a power play, well, good luck. Like, you better watch that, that cross-crease ability and that puck movement. Um, I don't see that same threat coming from St. Louis. So if he can just play well and uh, and play the way he's played, there's going to be no issue to it. All right, there we go. Great insights there. Let's go to Winnipeg and Edmonton now. Uh, Edmonton minus 205 series price here. I think Edmonton wins this series. I yeah. don't know if I see a clear path for Winnipeg to win this series, but at the same point in time, and you and I talked about this right yeah. before the show, I don't think this is a four or five gamer by any stretch of the imagination for the Edmonton Oilers and for your golf buddy, uh, yeah. Connor McDavid here uh, in this series. You got to look, the Jets did not finish the season strong and people are prisoners of the moment. They're prisoners of what they last saw and what they've seen as a Winnipeg team do brutal here in the month of May and even late April when the, when the slump started. But don't forget, you're going to have Nikolai Ehlers probably back yeah. in the lineup for the Jets in game one, arguably their best forward. Him and Kyle Connor. All yeah. right, it goes without saying. Those were their two best forwards all season long. So they get Ehlers back. That makes the whole top six group better. Takes pressure off Shifley and Wheeler who were yeah. kind of up and down this season. The question to me, and I've I've, I've criticized Kevin Day off the GM, and I think rightfully so, he had to do something for the blue line to upgrade it, and Jordy Ben was the only addition they made. Like, really, I mean, it, you want to compete for a Stanley Cup, you have to add more than just that. I'm yeah. still concerned about that group uh, overall. I like Josh Morrissey uh, as a defenseman. I think he's been pretty good. I think Neil Pionk's game has improved. Yeah, I'm hit or miss on Derek Forbort. Yeah. Dylan DeMello up and down. We'll see. Does this Billy uh, Hainala kid maybe yeah. get in there because he's a young kid. They might have to throw it. I'd want to see him before I see Jordy Ben grace yeah. this Winnipeg blue line here. Uh, in I this saw, I heard a funny comment last night in the game was, uh, is it Stanley went down and the, yeah, the big man, the like, tall giraffe, yeah. Logan Stanley. Yeah, they're like, he's about as long as a canoe. Um, but it's funny to think of like when he went down, he did a sliding play and it was a great play, but like, Think of if he's like six foot eight or whatever, like Heidi is with that length, like um, those big boys come into play big time in the playoffs. You know, you're not able to ditzy doodle around like, um, you know, you look at a, an older guy like Zidane Chara, just that size presence can be a big part because you're not, you're not even needing to use your size much. You don't have to push a guy when you, you outweigh a guy by 80 pounds. You don't have to, get close to him if your reach is is as long as it is. So I think he could be a big factor too. Yeah, no doubt. So I think this is a tough series for it. I think they emerge. What I like about – and because I got question marks with the blue line. Connor uh, Hellebuck, obviously last year amazing. This year started the season strong, struggled down the stretch. I didn't – look, I know it's just one game and it was a regular season finale. I didn't love the first goal the Leafs scored. 
uh, against Connor Hallibuck last night. I thought that was a, a, a save he should have made. So there's uh, a little worried about Hallibuck. I think he'll be fine. But again, just didn't like his where his game was at down the stretch. For the Oilers, what I like is it's not just for the longest time. McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins. Who else can step up and help these three guys out uh, we know offensively? That, we know Zach Cashin's going to be there always. Like He's always going to, whether, like I said um, earlier, with the pres- presence of uh, being a, a player or a, a scorer, you know, he might not put up any goals. In Will he play in the first round? No question. That's because he's been out for a while. But oh. uh, he might. We'll see. Yeah, in terms of uh, Edmonton here, uh, one last thing I'm going to point out, the, the, the third line. They yeah. have really stepped up with uh, uh, the youngster, McLeod, uh, on that third line, really giving them a boost. We've seen Alex Chason get things going offensively. Uh, you know, we've seen some of their depth for James Neal. Oh my gosh. I saw him score a couple of times the last couple of weeks. My gosh, if they can get something consistent out of James Neal, what a difference that's going to make uh, Dominic Cahoon. I think the blue line has improved a lot for Edmonton from season. Yeah. Tyson Berry has had a second life in Edmonton. It, it was a disaster in Toronto. He's turned back the clock playing like he did in Colorado this year for the Oilers. Adam Larson's healthy and playing his best hockey, you know, while Darnell Nurse, Hamilton, pr- Hamilton proud indeed. Hamilton, Ontario zone, Darnell Nurse. What a season for him. Offensively, he's been great in his own zone. Yeah. Kulikov's been solid. That blue line's taken a step forward. And Mike Smith's played the best mm-hmm. goaltending of his in the last decade. He wasn't played this good in a decade. Be, yeah. A big factor of it's going to be Mike Smith. Um, yeah. When I watch Mike Smith, um, crazy playing ability, like puck playing ability among you know a, a small percentage in the NHL. That guy can can make a play out of anything. Um, where I see his issue is he's a big goalie and uh, he moves pretty well for his age. I just see him um, he flails a little too much. Like he he makes huge saves, but he throws his, himself out. Like he'll come up with a massive save, but I don't see his rebound control and ability. Um, if Winnipeg, you know, they have such quick moving and uh, and puck, uh, playing players, like throughout their lineup, they are a, a very solid lineup through you know line one through four, and with the goaltending they have, um, they're gonna you know rely uh, heavily on shutting down a McDavid if that's possible. That's um, gonna be a tough thing, and especially McDavid going against. Um, Edmonton in the first series versus Edmonton in the second series, where uh, I think um, you know the other winner of the North Division that can be a a bit of an advantage because we know that uh, McDavid's going to play abnormal minutes, and that's why we say like this third line change for uh, Edmonton might be a big factor in their success because you can't have Connor McDavid playing that those minutes. Um, you need him to be in that power play role. You need to have him at full health. Um, you need, you know that he's going to be getting hit that much more because, yeah, it's playoffs. And the guy moves so quick, like, he gets connected on a hit. It's going to hurt. Um, so definitely if Edmonton wants to go far, they need to rely on this third line to allow that. But I see uh, to get through that first series because in no way is Winnipeg going to be a, a walkover. Uh, I really like Winnipeg's lineup. I have family in Winnipeg. Uh, I I followed Winnipeg for a while. You just you can't count them out because they they have a great depth in and out throughout their lineup. Um, whereas I see uh, um, 
definitely top heavy on the first line for um, or for Edmonton. And unless those those second third line guys show up and play the way they can play, but if they don't play that way, you can't rely on Connor McDavid and Drysdale because um, you know power plays aren't going to be a thing in the playoffs. You're not going to have five power plays in one game. You know you're not going to get those calls. You know guys are going to get in Connor McDavid's head. He's a very very intense player he plays with his heart but he also it's tough when you have guys cross-checking you in the back and you're not getting those calls that you're getting all year long and guys that are going to be in his in his face all the time so yeah it's um mcdavid you give him any space he's going to provide what he provides and in being the best hockey player in the world but um yeah if they don't uh, provide that secondary support well Winnipeg just goes, well, let's just play shutdown, shut down the first line, make sure that uh, we're shutting down the opportunities of Darnell Nurse because we know his offensive ability is, is exemplary. Um, yeah, it's, it's not a one-line winner in playoffs. So, yes, Edmonton uh, has, you know, similar to Colorado, like the best, potentially the best line in the NHL. But unless that third line plays the way that they can play, uh, Winnipeg is better depth-wise. Um, and they can take it, especially with the goaltending consistency. I like Halibut way over Mike Smith, but Mike Smith has the ability and the experience to to still provide that uh, ability to win. I just I, I don't like him as much as Halibut, hundred percent in the series. So, so leaning a little to Winnipeg, I get that sense at the price there, plus one seventy five, especially considering oh, you know the, the massive yeah. underdog tag they are. I, I do give I, I give it to Edmonton in terms of um, I probably sounded more like a Winnipeg guy. Uh, I do give the advantage. <laughs> now to the Edmonton. truth comes out. <laughs> well, like uh, I honestly I really bite, like both teams. Um, I like their as much as now they're kind of uh, rivals to Toronto, and I'm a Toronto fan. Uh, I like both their lineups. I think they're they're great. I just see more um, Winnipeg being more of a, a consistent team throughout the lineup. Uh, but I do give the advantage to Edmonton because just due to the fact of McDavid wants it. And like I said, I, I talked to McDavid the day after that he got knocked out of the playoffs. And you could see, uh, you know, something inside of him that was taken. Like he, it really hurt him. Like, um, he has that edge that I think he's going to bring it, but Winnipeg, you can't count them out in any way because of their lineup and you know, throughout their lineup. Um, they can't just rely on, uh, on McDavid. Like Edmonton can't just be, Oh yeah, dry little McDavid are going to do it. I do give the advantage to Edmonton, but um, yeah, they, if they heavily rely on those two guys doing everything for them, like they have, it's uh, it's going to be interesting because Winnipeg's not going to let that uh, slide too easily. Yeah, definitely interesting series there. I'll tell you where I'm going. We'll we'll get more I'll, with uh later in the week. We'll get more game specific, you know, handicapping and betting opinions. But I'll say one thing. In theory, I'm looking at maybe some goals being scored uh, in this series because. When I look at it, Mike Smith did tail off down the stretch. I'm seeing it talked about in our YouTube chat now as this show keeps going here. Um, that he did tail off in the last few games, Mike Smith. Not quite as you know locked down and brick wall and net as he was most of the season. And Connor Hellebuck has poor numbers against Edmonton head to head. Oh, I know. That's why I have a big time. I remember, 
Edmonton really brought it to Winnipeg. And uh, that's what I mean. Winnipeg has the capabilities, but uh, if you let let the big guns of the of Edmonton through and do what they can do, then I see them being pretty, uh, you know, worrisome for sure. But I also know that Winnipeg has a lineup that, uh, you know, you look at and you're like, I trust this lineup in the playoffs because they have a goalie who can win a series for them, but they also have great, or well, I guess very solid defensive core and they have great offensive abilities like Kyle Connor. That guy is sneaky. Like he, he's kind of like the Nick Suzuki of uh, Montreal. You give him any space, and he's gonna find a way to either set up a goal or or put the puck in there. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there, there. He, you, he will find that way. He will find that opportunity if you give him, if you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. You know what's yeah. that's that famous saying, uh, and it's a hundred percent true. Uh, no question about that when it comes to him. Uh, absolutely. Uh, all right. We have reached the final series. Here we are. We're wrapping it up with the Montreal yeah. Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs. For the first time in 42 years, we will see these teams square off in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Uh, like I said on yesterday's show, I, I get annoyed by fan bases of both of these teams. All I yeah. hear back and forth is bobbity bop 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 flapping their gums back and forth. I, I uh, feel like for for these two uh organizations, they're um they're very in the moment. They're very like chirpy when they're chirpy, but then they're quiet when they're playing bad. Um yep. you know, I, I'm I've been a Leafs fan my entire life. Um you know, as much as like I want to hate Montreal, I think they have an outstanding defensive ability and shutdown ability and Carey Price is, is Team Canada's goal. So, you know, I want to hate them more than I do, but, you know, I hate them right now because they're playing the Leafs. But uh, you can't count them out. They, um, they have a way of slowing down the game that a lot of teams don't have. And that'll be Toronto's biggest issue is if Toronto tries to pass too much, tries to be too fancy, um, which I noticed they're, they're trying to get away from. Um, that's going to be their biggest problem. Um, you know, I I talk Toronto a lot. Uh, they're my yeah, my definitely uh, biggest team that I follow by far. And I know what they're capable of. And I talked to my brother about this yesterday. Um, you know, Toronto plays at 100% of what they are capable of doing. I don't see many teams beating them. You know, throughout, they finally have a shutdown line. Um, if need be, they can move either Hyman back uh, to the third line with Riley Nash, or they can move Flino back to that line. They finally have that line of not only workhorse and workhorse ability, um, because Toronto had a good, hard-working third line last year with Kapanen and Johnson, and um, they they did work hard, but they didn't have that defensive ability of these guys who have proved it in the past. Um, Teams that win championships play defense, and teams that win championships don't just play defense from defense. They have offense. And they have forwards that are good at that end of the ice too, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, 100%. Yeah. yeah, so I think the versatility of the of the Leafs, um, a lot of people might disagree with me because they say, oh, the Leafs, uh, look at the playoff history, blah, blah, blah. And uh, obviously that's a hard thing to take into consideration as a Leafs fan because I know it's true. But if this Leafs team – gets past Montreal, I honestly see them having a great chance of going all the way. 
and there is a reason for it because if you look at it um at guys like nick robertson so we talked about nick robertson and his brother you know his brother is uh is arguably the you know the kaprizov like he's he's battling with him for the top rookie of the year um is nick robertson's brother that much better than robertson we don't know we don't know we've never given robertson that by the way that's jason robertson that uh, brett is referring to of the dallas stars yes so um is he that much worse than his brother his brother is in a market where he has been given you know such a, a big opportunity but we have robertson not even on the playoff lineup you know, you have a guy like Pierre Engvall battling it out. He's scoring like every, you know, two of every three games he gets thrown in. He's throwing in goals. Like people are are seeing he's in the lineup and they're going, well, I think Pierre Engvall is going to score. Like a lot of the, the Toronto analysts I see, they have a lot of trust in Pierre Engvall. Well, he's not even in the lineup. You have Alex Kochenyuk. Um, I'm a huge, you know, huge fan of him. I always have been. Uh, and I'm glad that he's finally got a, a second coming in, in Toronto. Um, just his size, his presence, his hardworking ability. The guy's got not an Austin Matthews shot, but he has a hard shot. He's not afraid to pass the puck. He's not afraid to be put in any role. That guy just wants to play hockey and he wants to have the opportunity that Toronto has given him. Um, so where Toronto can be big is they can start off with Hyman on the first line. They can start off with Felino on the second line. And those, those will be the workhorse guys that allow space to open up for the big guns. But also, if they need that third line shut down, you move one of those two guys back to the third line, and you bring in Galchenyuk for a game. You bring in Nick Robertson for a game, who, who has outstanding offensive ability. You bring in Adam Brooks, who has like who has shown that he could be a second liner on a lot of teams in the NHL. So that's where I think Toronto is going to be so dangerous in the versatility standpoint of what they have. They have more than enough players to do it. Um, it just it's getting over that slump around uh, you know the the clouds and the storm that's brewing in the sky over Leafland, um, just based off of the the first round you know exits, the early exits. That that's tough. But I see if Toronto can get past that adversity and finally get that chip off their shoulder. I see them being even among a, a Carolina and Colorado ability. And some people might disagree with me, but um, facts are facts. Look at their lineup. Look at their uh, their fourth line in terms of, of depth and, uh, and points and games played. Like, they have been through it all. You know that those guys are not going to shy away from any uh, any situation. You know, they're going to slow down the pace. You might have a guy like Cole Caulfield. I think the guy's an outstanding player, and I think he's he's going to be a threat. But he's he's young, and hockey players develop through not skill only in a, in necessarily. It's a, it's a mentality. It's not being afraid to screw up. You know, a guy like Joe Thornton might screw up, but he's going to know how to come away from that and screw up our, uh, that error. And and uh, and save the play. Same thing with Spetsa. Same thing with Simmons. They've been through so many situations. Um, yeah, it, I just I don't see that same offensive threat. But I do know if uh, if Montreal brings out their their uh, slowing uh, their ability to slow down the pace and take away the the lanes from Toronto. If Toronto doesn't shoot the puck. I see uh, 
them having a very tough time with Montreal. And they have to get on Carey Price so fast because as soon as that guy catches wind of, uh, of success, he can run Montreal through anybody, um, especially with the defensive ability. But if the Leafs get on him early, get you know, take away that confidence of, of what uh, he has and what he can do. Um, Jake Allen's great, but I see Toronto um, not having issues if if they bring their game and get on Montreal very fast. But if Montreal gets on Toronto and gets in their head and and beats them up, uh, I see Montreal having a good chance. There you go. So uh, this is a Leaf fan saying Montreal's got themselves at least, uh, you know, a puncher's chance in this series. I think based on the eye test and everything I've seen this year, the Toronto Maple Leafs are just flat out better. They've proven it. They have more depth uh, up and down their lineup. Here's the issues that I'm going to have going into this series here for the Montreal Canadiens. And look, and I said it yesterday, Cole Caulfield's got to be a difference maker. Tatar comes and goes offensively. Lackanen comes and goes offensively. You don't get much from Kotkaniemi. Uh, Nick Suzuki's played better lately, but still, can he do it in the playoffs? No question. The question mark's there. You miss Gallagher. He's the one guy that goes to the front of the net, gets his nose dirty, goes to the blue paint, goes to the crease, takes a beating, and goes to the tough areas of the ice to score goals. If you don't have him back, that's an issue. Shea Weber. I know Montreal fans are frustrated with the defensive blunders he's had. He's not the Shea Weber of old. But in the in playoffs, he, he can slow the pace down in the he's game. Still right? You've got these insane, batshit crazy, Brett, These some of these Habs fans that I know, saying, I hope Weber doesn't come back in the playoffs. What are you talking about? I know he's had a tough year. He's had some giveaways. He maybe doesn't skate quite as well as he did five years ago. He's had injuries that probably hurt him in that regard. And yes, he's had some giveaways and miscues in his own zone that we didn't see from him five years ago. But for playoff experience alone and playoff situations that he's been a part of forever, you, you're, you're going to tell me with a straight face you don't want him to be part of your team and your lineup for these playoffs? That guy's I can't still arguably uh, a candidate for Team Canada. I mean, how old is he? He's 32, something like that. Like He's around the same age as Crosby. And uh, no, he doesn't have the speed, but like he's just – 35 is yeah so uh yeah he just he has um a certain playing ability that you want in the playoffs like who cares if you have a a guy who's super skilled and this this and this if they they don't show up and play the way they can then whatever but we know that um you know even if shea weber's not as defensively uh, sound as he used to be he's gonna be tough he's gonna hit you he's going to be in your face he's not afraid to play tough he's going to be the guy down low that is throwing guys around so whether he gives the puck away he's going to be uh, a fear for toronto you know you need to have guys who are who are uh throwing your simmons around and your felinos around and because toronto now has that toronto didn't have that before where they had this tough presence so why would you not want a guy who can score from the blue line on any slap shot, um, you know, people are scared to get in front of the slap shots. He's um, he's going to hurt people, like, if you get in front of those slap shots. So you want that in the playoffs, and uh, you want his just overall toughness. You want his overall captain ability. He is an excellent captain. He's somebody who I would never not want on my team, um, even as a Leaf. Like, I would, I would kill to get him on. You throw him on the Leafs, the Leafs are now, like, a, a for sure – NHL contender because you have 
that's kind of what the Leafs are lacking is that Matt Lake, um, Jake Muzzin is showing more capabilities of uh, um, Shea Weber type of player, but he's not Shea Weber. He, he doesn't have the same presence. He's close and he's getting there, but you can never go wrong with having a Shea Weber um, in your lineup. He's just he's he's, uh, he's a great factor. That is so amazing. Yeah, so the, there's like I say, there are question marks and concerns I have for Montreal, and I look at their their lineup. To, I, I believe in Toffoli. I have no questions about him. He'll be good. He'll be great in the, in the playoffs for them. Josh Anderson, uh, and I'm not just saying that because he's from Burlington, right near where I am in Hamilton. He's he is gonna be, yeah, he's, he'll be fine. He's a playoff guy. Uh, he is exactly what I want on my team in the playoffs. Again, hopefully they have Gallagher back. Uh, you know. Price looks like Dominic Ducharme saying he's ready for game one. Here's my biggest fear. Philip Deneau, forget about his offense. We know he didn't score goals and contribute, chip in points like he did. But he's an unbelievably good defensive forward, defensive center, and he is still the best defensive forward that they could have put against this Toronto team. And if he doesn't come back, and it is still unknown, if Philip Deneau is going to be ready for this series and for game one, who the hell do you put on the Austin Matthews line if you're Dominic Ducharme against him? Who the hell are you going to trust? Because I don't know if I can trust anybody else. Fucking Yemi's not doing it. I'm sorry. No way. He's not matching up against Matthews. No way in, in hell is that happening. If he puts Suzuki on there, yeah, but you want his offense. If he's got a check, check, check Matthews all over the place, I can't and see Matthews that being is, a match. I'm sorry, Matthews is, about. is what, 6'3", 220? I, I don't think... That's where I think a lot of danger is going to happen for Montreal because Montreal's offense, though they do have some really cool, skilled puck moving forwards, um, you know, Nick Suzuki's not a very big guy. Um, so if he's that heavily relied on offensively, it's going to be tough on him because he knows that he's going to be getting hit that much harder. And that's why I think the reliance on Josh Anderson is going to be huge because um, – Actually, uh, it was really funny. So uh, Ben Hutton absolutely obliterated Josh Anderson. And Josh Anderson doesn't get knocked over often. He He's a tough workhorse, like exactly what you want in the playoffs. But what an ad with him. I think uh, having him in and out of the lineup or in and out of the lineup will be huge for the Leafs because uh, that's just another guy who you run into him and he's, he's semi-flying. You don't uh, go in with, with head up and with the expectation that you're going to get hit. He's going to hit you hard. So I, I love the uh, ability of having Rasmus Sandin. You know, having him on the third line for the Leafs is huge because, A, being a an offensive specialist that he is and, the, and an amazing puck mover, um, one thing that's really interesting is if you have him on, say, the first power play line for the Leafs, you're now giving uh, Morgan Riley more time to focus on five-on-five -five play, which we know Morgan Riley can be one of the best uh, in the NHL at five-on-five. -five, but we have to have him at full health and uh, and full energy. So you have a guy, um, I don't know if he, he would like getting taken off the first power play, but you have an ability to have a guy come in and take off the workload and allow him and, and Brody – to, to play potentially 30 minutes a game in five-on-five, five, which is huge. Like, those two players can be excellent. Um, 
But yeah, Toronto uh, didn't really overall like they didn't have that last year. They had uh, Sandy in there, but he was less experienced. He did great in the playoffs last year, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, you throw him in with the experience and uh, and puck moving ability that he's had this year. And as long as he's shooting the puck and he's not nervous, that's a big thing to have as a third line defenseman. Even if he comes in and the Leafs run seven D, and you have Sandine play limited minutes and focus on the power play, now you have all those six defense coming in at full five on five. They have no other stress. They just know they have to win five on five. They have to play tough. Um, I think that's a huge factor that a lot of teams don't have is a seventh defenseman that can be a first-line power play. Yeah, and the, the depth is insane. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy to me. But that, that tells you uh, with the Leaf depth situation that we are seeing Pierre Engvall with his last chance down the stretch of the regular season to show what he can do and try to get it, crack this lineup for, and in the eyes of Sheldon Keefe that we're talking about Pierre Engvall doing what he's done down the stretch, and he may not be in the lineup in game one. Yeah. That's, that's that's a sick level of depth up front. I just look the at it. And the blue line as well, for that matter. And even uh, Timothy Lindgren. Like he's, uh, he's playing the way the Leafs kind of wanted him to play. They're able to throw him in, and he's not really a, a liability out there. And one thing I looked towards last year versus this year, is the Leafs had a couple injuries and uh, in that playoff series that killed them. You know, they had to bring in uh, – who's the who's like the ninth defenseman for the Leafs? I always forget his name. Uh, he's like six foot eight. He's not very good. Was it uh, – I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm thinking Borgman, but that was a few years ago. No, no, no. I'm, no, no. Somebody in the chat will know. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. He's one of those guys yeah, that like, he uh, – you you know he'll just play the role like he'll just he'll play whenever. Um, I, I don't Marinson, yeah. So Marinson hasn't go. played a whole lot this year, um, and he had to play a lot in the playoffs last year. And I I honestly feel bad for the guy, but I think you're better without him on your blue line this year going into this year's playoffs. Yeah. That's for sure. He's, yeah. That so knowing that he's a that. he's a four fourth option, whereas last year he was like a a fifth defenseman at one point because of injury and uh, things going on in the playoffs. So I think that's a, a massive change from last year. So Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, that's where it's exciting is uh, knowing that, you know, um, say Jake Muzzin goes down. Uh, he had a suspension last year or was it an injury? I, I'm kind of blanking. I think it was an injury uh, for Muzzin yeah. last year. I don't think it was a suspension. Uh, as, uh, I don't think it was. I think it was an injury. No. Yeah, see, and I and Leafs now have a guy like Ben Hutton or Bogosian. You know, Bogosian comes back. Those are two guys. Yeah, wait till they get him back. Stanley yeah. Cup winner last year with Tampa. Yeah. yeah, those are two guys that the Leafs didn't have, um, you know, last year. And you lose a, lose a guy like Muzzin with just a, the overall presence on the ice is so important. And now that they have that, Muzzin gets hurt. Okay, well, let's move Ben Hutton up a line, and Bogosian is back, and he's on the third line. Like, um, And then Sandine just plays more. Or, oh, somebody else got injured. Oh, let's bring in Lindgren. Um, there's just so much more option in terms of injury because we know that with the way the playoffs go, people are going to get hurt, and people are going to be overworked. Uh, but mentally and physically, if you have a player who uh, comes in and – and is at full health and at, um, in both those categories, they can be life changers. 
And they got a little bit of everything. You got Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, and Tavares is getting his offense going at the oh, right yeah. time of year for the Leafs. That's going to be big for them. Uh, they've got the veteran presence of Simmons and Thornton and Spezza, and you've got you know TJ Brody's been just rock oh, steady yeah, as yeah. steady as she goes on the on the blue line this year. Justin Hall has been so much improved on the yeah. blue line. You know Jake Muzzin, good. Uh, no question. Believe it or not, Morgan Riley's had a more of an up and down year, and I know Leaf fans were giving him grief last but night either, yeah. uh, against Winnipeg. But again, he won't have to play as much either because this no, blue line's got so much more depth than they have had in the past. He's always been a guy who brings it for playoffs too, uh, which we sometimes forget a bit. Like he's uh, he's a playoff guy. He's somebody that will bring his A game, and he will uh, he's going to work that much harder in the playoffs. So um, yeah, lightening up the load on him. Um, what I, I just, I see the overall change in the Leafs, especially in the last couple of years, there's not one piece in the Leafs outside of maybe goaltending, um, not being as strong as some other teams they have. I think Jack Campbell can do it. Um, Desi, we don't know because of, uh, you know, lack of experience compared to other goalies, but there is no piece of the Toronto lineup that I worry about. I don't go, Oh shoot. Our, our six defenseman's trash. No. Our eighth defenseman's solid, you know what I mean? And I look on offense, like, oh, our fourth line, though they're older, like, they were a first line in a lot of teams five years ago. And there's just, there's a, there's no weakness to the team. And that's why I'm so excited for the Leafs, being a Leafs fan. Um, do I think they're unstoppable? Not a chance. I think that Montreal uh, has a chance if they play their game. And if Carey Price plays out of his shoes like we know he can, I don't count Montreal for a second out. But I think if Toronto plays to their system and plays to their ability, um, I also don't think that Montreal stands a chance. So it, it's all circum circumstantial in this series around um, who plays their system best because that ultimately is going to be the, the factor that comes to play the most. Yeah, very well said. Uh, great in that, great insight there with the Leafs and the Habs. One last point I'll make, and if I'm Montreal, look, if they if Toronto plays their A or B game, they're winning the series, period, yeah. no matter what Montreal does. But if I'm Montreal and I'm Dominic Ducharme, I am getting this team revved up to every extent that I possibly can by showing them all the press clippings, the videos on social media about nobody picking Montreal. Uh, in yeah. this series, say nobody thinks you can win. Nobody's given you a shot. And look, Montreal, nobody gave them a shot against Pittsburgh in the bubble in the first round last year. They said, oh, they only got in the playoffs, Montreal, because of the expanded playoff format for the bubble and 22 teams getting in. They had no business being in the playoffs. Well, all Montreal did was beat Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, in that first playoff series. Uh, they lost to Philly after that, but they got the first round series. And look, if you're Montreal, and you're Ducharme and the coaching staff, you tell them, jump on these guys. Don't let them dictate the play. Don't let them bring the game to you. You bring it to them. You put that, you score that first goal in game one. You go up 2 nothing, and you put pressure on this team. See if they can't grip their sticks tighter for a team that hasn't won a playoff series in 17 years. Pat Quinn, folks. Pat Quinn was the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Rest in peace to him. Uh, the last time they won a playoff series, 17 years ago in 2004. You make this team doubt themselves if you're Montreal. And the way you do that is you come out strong. You put them you know, on the, on the, on the flat foot. You get that first goal. You plant that seed of doubt. And, boy, if they do that and they go up in game one and, dare I say it, steal game one, man alive, it's going to have Toronto thinking 
It's going to have Toronto maybe pressing a little bit, gripping this, trying to make that perfect play, trying to do things that they don't do when things are just going nicely and swimmingly for them. Uh, that is the element that scares you because, again, this is a franchise that time and time again, and look, this core with Matthews and Marner and company, Brett, they haven't proven they can win a first round. Like people in the Leaf land, Leaf Nation early in the season, they're playing on the Stanley Cup parade. Could you win a first round series first? Is that asking a lot? Is that well, we, we know we know round? they can win a first round. It's yeah, it's whether you do it or not. And uh yeah, that's uh it's just it's gonna be so interesting because yeah, Montreal, if Montreal comes out at, out of the gate with everything they have. I think the the series will dictate based off of them. I don't think the series will dictate off of Toronto as much. Uh, Toronto has so much ability to score that um, if they have space, they're going to score no matter what. Like you give Austin Matthews uh, those chances, you give a lot of their players the the space to do it, they're going to score. Uh, it's all the um, dependent on Montreal coming up to the challenge and. Uh, and coming at them quick, like he said, making them grip their stick, making them doubt, you know, am I going to dump this puck in, or am I going to go skate around Shea Weber or Jeff Petrie, knowing that, you know, they're going to throttle me. Like, you you have to get on Toronto fast because you let you allow a few of their players to break out. Um, they get anywhere in a scoring chance or score, and it's it's inevitable. I mean, Carrier Price is, is insane in, uh, in terms of his ability. But if you have a cross crease between Austin Matthews uh, and Mitch Marner, they're uh, they're not getting stopped if you uh, you allow them to have their opportunities. So definitely, like as much as I want to I want to consider Montreal out being a least fan, uh, you definitely cannot because uh, Montreal just has that playoff ability. They might not have the regular season um, in terms of depth of overall team and everything. But they have a lineup that you want in the playoffs. They have a couple big guys like uh, Josh Anderson, and if Gallagher's back, he's he's kind of like the Brad Marchand of, of Montreal. Yeah, you love the guy if you love him, you hate him if you hate him. Um, and with their big defensive core and their defensive ability and their shutdown ability, um, as much as I wanted Toronto to play Montreal, yeah, you really analyze it. I think it's probably their toughest matchup. I think Toronto has no issues against my um, Edmonton and um, and Winnipeg. Uh, you know, throughout their lineup, I think like it wouldn't be an easy series to beat either of them. But at the same time, I think Montreal can be the toughest matchup because look at the teams that have beat Toronto in the first round. They lost to a team, Columbus, who had very little offensive ability. But they played shutdown. They had amazing goaltending. Their goaltending won their series. And then you look at Boston the year before that. Um, you know they had an amazing line in Marchand and uh, and Bergeron. But um, they just played their game. They played defensive, and you know you know that. Uh, and that's a big reason why they lost. And even the Capitals before then. It's there's been so many game uh, four to seven series that Toronto has just not won. Um, so it's really hard to just sure things say they're going to win. But uh, I look at this Montreal. Is their best roster. Of all those yeah. past playoff years, though, in teams, Brett, this is their best roster, their deepest oh, roster, the best defensive team, not even close, their best defensive team. And not just blue liners, forwards that play responsible, sound, mm -hmm. away from the puck, at all areas of the ice. This is as good as it gets. They've got the pieces in place. Now it's just about executing and winning. Yeah. That's what it comes yeah, down if to. If there's any time for the Leafs to win – 
uh, it's this year. When, like I said, like you have a, um, even they said last night, a guy like Alex Kerfoot, uh, I kind of see him falling under the radar sometimes, but he's always moving. He's, he's a workhorse. He's not a very big guy. So, um, but he does little things that people don't notice. And he, he shoots the puck a ton. He doesn't have the Austin Matthews shot shooting ability, but he always is firing on the net. He's always um, working hard in the corners. He's, he's really, he's kind of got a, a little bit of a Johnny Goudreau feel to him in terms of like getting the puck past the blue line. He's always moving uh, below the goal line, opening up for opportunities. Uh, I see a guy like that, like even um, somebody gets hurt in the first two lines. Like he's a guy you can fill in. And then guess what? Somebody else fills in for him. And then, oh, the older guys are, are overworked. Well, Adam Brooks is going in, and oh, Galchenyuk. Like it's just it's so hard to, uh, yeah. It's the first uh, first round blues, and I think once the first round's done and over with, I like I like Toronto's chances of all. Then the sky could be the limit. Yeah. Yeah. After and that, I, if I they get know, past being, being biased uh, of a Toronto fan, but like I've analyzed it quite a bit, and I know a lot of people have. I also know that uh, you know, yeah, don't have your hopes too high because anything can happen. Um, and that's where the leaves, yeah, you can't go plan the parade first month in the season. You can't go say we were horrible because Anderson is, uh, you know, had a rough go this year. Uh, a lot of people are still hard on him, and I, I get it. But at the same time, he's also been a reason why uh, Toronto's been successful. Uh, he's played roughly 80% of the time over the last few years. He's finally in the ability that you can run Jack Campbell 70% of the time, and then you have him as a backup. And if he brings the, the Anderson that we know that can happen with no health issues, with no mental issues, like if he can come in hot and, uh, and just be that back-to-back -back, you know, goalie to get, this, get us that win, because he's always been relied on. And I, I feel bad for him because Toronto Nation is just so hard on the guy. But honestly, he's uh, he still has it. I mean, like people say, he's too old. Well, is is Pekka Rene too old to be a good goalie? No. Like, uh, how old is is Anderson? Thirty one. Like a lot well, of goalies. You can't even compare Rene with 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 uh, Anderson the last couple of years. Anderson's still been a, a an above a very good goalie, borderline elite goalie, and Rene's been a shell the last couple of years. Uh, you can't even. Yeah, I don't. Those I don't two. see. Um, yeah, Anderson being a. a a Halibut or a Vasilevsky anymore. Like, and let, he potentially could be if he plays to his, his uh, potential, but I don't see that happening. But we don't need him in the role that we needed him before. You know, Jack Campbell, if he comes in with the mental toughness and, uh, you know, he's going to need that. I My only issue with Jack Campbell is uh, he plays with a lot of emotion and he's really hard on himself. So if he runs in with, um, you know, the the high hat of like I'm confident. I, I see him being all that Toronto needs. But uh, that little losing streak that he had, he was just so hard. You can't be hard on yourself as a goalie. As much as it might even have been your fault to lose those games, well, guess what? You're human, and you move forward from that, and you uh, you plan for the future. You don't dwell upon the past, and that's the biggest mentality of a goalie: is are you going to dictate yourself? what you've done or are you going to uh be a part of the future of the toronto maple leafs that potentially wins the stanley cup it has to come down to that mindset and 
you know, wipe clean of whatever, uh, whatever negative thoughts you have in your head. And as soon as those are gone, you know, you play, play the way you can play. I don't see him having an issue. And we didn't mention, and we'll wrap it up on this note, that Zach Hyman, the Swiss Army Knife of the Toronto Maple Leafs up front, should be back for this series, if not game one, at least at some point in this series. And you talk about a player that's fun to watch and is just so damn important. He hounds the puck, hounds the puck consistently, a dog on a bone. They always say that about Zach Hyman, and it's true. His work ethic is incredible. He's one of, in absolutely, it's not even a debate, one of the best penalty-killing forwards yeah. in the NHL. He is just ridiculously good. Stick position, body position, awareness, just the ability. It's almost like he scouts the opposing team's power play before every game begins and knows where the puck's going. Like he reads and dissects the play extremely well. He skates well. He's a threat shorthanded to score, and he's going to be back at some point, and there's just another huge boost for the uh, Leafs having Zach Hyman back. He's been at an incredible season uh, for the Leafs. And I'll leave you with one last word, Brett, before we wrap up this series, and this will be the end of the show as well. Um, Your thoughts on Jack Campbell. Uh, you believe in him, and if and if he struggles, I'll ask you that first. That's the first one. Do you believe in Jack Campbell and playing him playing well in the playoffs? And if he struggles, how short of a leash is it on him? And obviously, you've got Anderson waiting in the wings now, and you got David Riddick too. If you want to go even deeper into the goalie depth chart, but are you buying Jack Campbell? We know he's been a great regular season goalie this year for the Leafs. Can you do it in the playoffs? I'm honestly, I'm buying, uh, I am buying in on him. I think he, uh, buying Jack Campbell stocks as Brett yeah. Sontag. There you go. Um, yeah, I know. I, I have a lot of faith in the guy. Um, and I know that having him in net, there's something about his presence. Um, his team's going to work harder for him. I think that's one area where, um, where Anderson had issues is they kind of became too reliant on him doing it. But they're, the Leafs play defensively differently when Jack Campbell's in net. It's like uh, the positivity. Every time he makes a save, he's hitting somebody on the shin pad. Every time, you know, something good happens, he's always positive. He's always interacting with his team. And that goes a long way. That makes your team want you to be successful. And not saying that Anderson never did that, but there, there's something about Campbell and the presence of him as a human being that – He's just earned so much respect um, as a hockey player. You know, that's he's got a gift personality-wise and persona-wise that a lot of people don't have. And uh, But the thing is, like, you have um, a, an outstanding backup goalie in Anderson, and I'm assuming Anderson, as much as he wants to be a starter, he wants to win. So if Campbell's having issues, he has, he has an excellent role model to be there to help him you know, get through those issues. It's not like, you know, I'm, I want to be the starter or get out of my position. You know, they're, they're very, uh, very important as a professional athlete to be professional. Of one one another, sure. Yeah. No doubt. So by having him and the experience that Anderson has, whether or not Anderson plays that 80% role, he can be a huge role in keeping Jack Campbell's mind on his, you know, mind in good, good health. If, uh, if he lets in a bad goal, it's a lot of it's going to come down on, on the goaltending communication and knowing that you can't dwell upon that goal. And the worst thing as a goalie is to feel that you're alone, to feel that you are the outcast in your team and you are the ultimately the factor in the loss. You can't think like that and you can't uh, 
seclude yourself from your team. You need to be as much a part of your team as, as any other player. And I sometimes found when I was a goalie, um, you know, they became so reliant on me, especially in my younger years, that like they would just willingly, uh, they'd chirp me and be like, oh, you made 70 saves tonight. Well, you're the reason why we lost. And they wouldn't say it really with a joke. Like they're, uh, it's hard to be a goalie, the mentality of it. So if the support from Anderson doesn't come in playing a lot of ice time, if he can be that mental support that can get Jack Campbell into that realm of how he can play and we know he can play, that's huge. Like it's, uh, I don't see David, David Riddick, um, Riddick, I don't see him having that ability. Uh, I don't even think he speaks that great of English. So, uh, but he's an outstanding goalie, but yeah, I just, it'll come down to, um, do you want to win or do you want to be the guy in the spotlight? And there, there are different ways having, it's the same thing of having that fourth line uh, knowledge. You know, do you, uh, does Joe Thornton want to be on the first line? Probably. But does he want to play hockey at all? Yeah. He wants, he'll play on the fourth line if you want him on the fourth line. It sometimes comes down to that, that role of I'm playing within my means. I'm playing with the role that I have. I'm playing with the skill set that I have. And if I don't play with that, then I won't be playing in this game. So, whether you're not playing at all, if you're a positive person in the dressing room or you're a positive person cooling things down, that is sometimes the biggest thing in the playoffs. And I think the Leafs have just gained way more in that uh, that realm of things is the ability to go out and lose a game and have a heartbreaker and have all their fans on them. They now can be like, guys, we lost one game, you know, how many times have I lost a game in the playoffs? And guess what? We came back like, one game's not going to lose you the playoffs. If you stay in a certain spirit of mind, anybody can win. And I think that's just where uh, where Toronto's at in terms of having those guys to, to calm things down. And even if, if uh, Joe Thornton isn't in the line of the whole playoffs, he's going to be in there and he's going to be that assistant coach. He's older than, than Keith, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like, yeah, I think I, so too, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's just one of those things. You have guys who are are gonna calm things down. You have guys that want Jack Campbell to be successful. You know, it's uh, I I do have faith in Jack Campbell. I I think he has the ability, but no, I don't think he's he's Connor Halibut ready, and I don't think he's you know Vasilevsky and even Carey Price. Like I, he's not among their level. Can he do it? Yes, but he needs to have support from his team. Not only on the ice, he needs to have it off the ice. He needs to know that, you know what, you're capable of this. We want this to happen for you. We want you to be successful. And if they allow that to happen, Jack Campbell's going to shine. That awesome stuff. We'll end it on that note. Unbelievable uh, breakdown and analysis. Uh, look, I had no one. When we started the show with Brett, I had no idea we'd go two and a half hours, but it yeah, was great. It was great analysis. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be ready. And man, was he ever, that was about as good as I've ever heard. Just not just the stats and that aspect of it, but the matchups taught you, obviously the player personnel side of things, you are terrific breaking all that down, but also the mental side. Cause you know, that part of it as well. And what players go through. And you're right. People always say about goalies, Oh, they're quirky characters. They're odd ducks. Yeah. Well, you I, I'm, I'm a weird person. Shoulder, I, I, right. Right. I wish I wasn't, but you know what? I have quirks to me. A lot of my friends who are goalies have corks to them. Yeah, you're kind of a different breed, but 
Um, that's where I sometimes find, you know, a goalie personality can uh, can really dictate the morale of a team. If a goalie's happy and confident and has the support of their team, then uh, they provide this just jokester mentality, this lightening up the mood mentality that can, um, you know, and they might be considered like a, an oddball for it, but nothing better than a happy goalie who just who wants to, to do what they can. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, the goalie is uh, its like the quarterback. Well, I've always said that. It's like the starting pitcher in baseball, the point guard in the NBA, uh, the starting quarterback in, in the football. That's how important the uh, goaltender is uh, in the NHL. And obviously, Jack Campbell and potentially a returning very much, not, not potentially, he is expected yeah. to be back, Carey Price. Uh, they'll be under the spotlight in this Montreal-Toronto series. All right, so that that is the breakdown of we went through Saturday's card. Again, rewind, guys. I know there's some people joining the show. Like, what did you think of Washington-Boston? Washington-Boston is going to be my best bet at the end of the show, and I'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but we talked about that earlier in the show. Rewind. Again, every Ice Guys show on YouTube is archived, so you can go yeah. back and watch it whenever you want if you miss parts of it uh, anytime. Uh, before we get to the end of the show and best bets, a reminder, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN. Great time of year. NHL Stanley Cup playoffs begin today. The NBA playoffs uh, as well start this week. Baseball daily. Sign up for a DraftKings Sportsbook uh, account. Download the app. When you do and you sign up, you'll get a deposit bonus, weekly specials, and incentives. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Sign up for that account. Use the promo code THPN. Uh, Vancouver and Edmonton, I lean to the over. That's it. Uh, Brett kind of likes Vancouver there. He mentioned that uh, they're worth a shot, maybe at a plus one seventy five underdog price to uh, maybe go out on a high note. You know, try to end. Oh, actually, it's not the end of their season. They got Calgary a couple times, but still want to finish the season uh, strong in the regular season. And again, Edmonton laying that price when there's absolutely nothing at stake for them. Uh, so he leans Vancouver. I lean to the over. Uh, as far as best bets go, uh, Brett, we'll start with you as our special guest. Thanks a lot for doing this. Thanks for joining us. Awesome with the insight. Uh, we'll have you back again for sure on the show uh, uh -huh. later on during the playoffs. Uh, best bet or best pick, whatever you want. It could be a series pick. You could pick something in one of the games taking place today. Uh, and also give us your Stanley Cup champion. I've got Colorado, Carolina, Stanley Cup final with Colorado being the champion. Uh, so best bet and as well your Stanley Cup final and your champion. Um, yeah, I definitely like, I do agree, like I said, on paper for, um, for the Colorado and, um, yeah, Colorado, I think, yeah, the Canes, yeah, on paper, they're the two best teams, but I also, I don't see, yeah, like I said, with Colorado earlier, they don't have that grit factor and it's all going to come dependent on, uh, on their opponent. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely thinking Canes as much as I want to think uh, Boston's going to make it on. Um, yeah, don't like Boston, but I, I think Boston has a great chance. Um, Washington's excellent uh, in the way they play, but Boston with that that out of Taylor Hall and how he's playing, um, I'm thinking Boston is going to give Carolina a tough go. But I think Carolina is going to come ahead just because of. Um, their top six defense, their two goaltenders are, are doing, you know, more than, than expected. Um, it's really hard on, I want to say Toronto, but even a team like, uh, like Florida, I, I see Florida being a, an upsetting team, um, on that side, but I'm going to go Toronto. I, people are going to frown upon me. 
um, for going Florida or uh, Toronto over. Yeah, going Toronto over Colorado. Um, and I just I only think that because I think the uh, Colorado lineup is is slightly better than the Leafs, but their first two series I think are going to be a little more diff- difficult and challenging than the Toronto Leafs uh, or Toronto Maple Leafs two series. So when right. they match up in that series, um, if Toronto can play the way they can against Montreal. And if they play the way they can against a, a team like Edmonton, for example, I see them coming out with, you know, the extra players that they have. They come out healthier than a team like Nash or uh, for a team like Colorado, just because Colorado, you know, um, St. Louis is going to bring it in that first series. And their second series is going to be among, you know, a Stanley Cup contention series. Those are two teams that probably should be playing against each other in the Stanley Cup final in a second round. So that's where I think it really differentiates is they're going to come out of that series, you know, a mentally drained, physically drained. They're going to know that they need to have a Stanley cup final mentality coming out of that. And then now you're going to have a guy like, uh, you know, McKinnon, who's going to be that much more tired. I just, I see the stars in Toronto um, with their depth through four lines, having a little bit less strain on them versus Colorado. Um, but yeah, I, I want to take Colorado as the top, but I'm going Toronto just because uh, I feel like it's the year I got. I got a root for my team. Um, yeah, yeah, you can call me a dummy all you want for that decision, and it's it's just based off of um, how everything's sitting. Like I think if Toronto had two hard harder challenges in their first two rounds, I think they have a way harder chance in Colorado. But uh, Colorado's not going to have an easy round either. Is uh, is Vegas Golden Knights. And like we said, Minnesota, like Minnesota could potentially pass Colorado. And that's just based off of that division, that top four teams in that division are so good. And uh, yeah, it's not going to be an easy route for anybody out of that division. So Toronto coming in with a little bit more energy, a little bit um, less damage. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I just see that happening in comparison to that very challenging division. So I'm thinking Canes, Leafs, and I'm probably taking the Canes over the Leafs in the finals. Um, but yeah, like like we've talked about uh, numerous times, it's dependent on if Toronto uh, gets past the the first round blues. Yeah, if they get the monkey off their back and finally win a first round. So Carolina over Toronto for Brett with his Stanley Cup final and a Stanley Cup champion uh, pick there. Uh, and one last uh, another thing too is. Um, uh, uh, the uh, best bet for you in terms of today. Uh, what would you what would you like most today? The Vancouver Edmonton game, the Boston Washington game. What's your favorite side or total? Um, I'm going to go Boston over Washington, uh, just with how they're rolling and how things are going. I know that they're going to want to get on on Washington quite fast. I don't see too many penalties uh, be, being called in the first game. Um, and like we said, if uh, Washington gets kept off the power play, then I see them having a couple issues because, um, you know, they're arguably the biggest threat as a power play team. But if those power play minutes can be limited, uh, I don't see Ovechkin doing as much of a threat as what he can do. And, yeah, it's not going to be an easy route for Boston. But I just I see Boston coming out. They're going to play hard. They're going to throw the body. They're not going to get the calls um, against them that maybe, you know, game six, game seven might potentially happen. Um so yeah, I'm gonna take Boston, and I'm I'm gonna take 
I mean, for money-wise, too, I, I would go for Vancouver over Edmonton. Um, you know, just to, to end off positively on the season, um, Connor McDavid doesn't want to get hurt. He wants to put up some points, make, you know, some great accolades of what he's done. But I just, I don't see him bringing in. He's already hit the accolade of, of the 100 points. 100 points, yeah. 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 And, uh, of course, he wants to get more. But I, I don't think he's going to risk throwing the body around and either or any of their other stars. They're going to play the game. They're going to play through the motions like Toronto did in the last couple of games um, where it's just it's, it's getting ready. They're going to try systems that they haven't tried before. Uh, maybe those systems won't work, but uh, they're more in the tampering phase of, of what do we want to do? What's our goal for playoffs? Whereas Vancouver is in the mode of let's prepare for next season by playing really well this season and finishing off on a high note. So Vancouver on that one, um, not, we'll say a 4-3 game uh, as, as a rough guess. I know that both backup goalies are in right now too, so it, I think it will be a little bit high scoring. But uh, yeah, Vancouver for that one, just because the the you know, no care mentality and uh, and the systems play through Edmonton. Yeah, definitely, uh, yeah. definitely the time to choose for Vancouver in this circumstance. Yeah, you're getting good odds there as well. Plus one seventy five on the Vancouver Canucks. Demko is confirmed in net for the uh, Canucks, and it'll be Koskinen. Okay. And I have no problem taking plus one seventy five against yeah. Miko Koskinen. Uh, that's for sure. He's had a tough season for the Oilers. So I lean Vancouver and I lean to the over as yeah. well in that game that's about to start in half an hour, that regular season matchup, Vancouver-Edmonton. My best bet is going to be Boston, minus 125 against Washington. Uh, I like them in the series too. And I think in game one, Oshie's a game-time decision. Kuznetsov won't suit up. Boston's got Coyle back. Uh, they're as healthy as they've been in a very long time. Uh, their blue line is ready to go. Hall has been great since they got him. Krejci's gotten it going. Vanacek, I'm going to need to see him play well in the postseason before I can buy in. And the Washington defense, again, you look at those high-danger chances allowed statistics, they've been a little bit shaky for Washington. Can they – Can they? you know, they've been able to win in spite of giving up a lot on defense in the regular season. Can they keep doing that uh, in the playoffs? I'm going to take a shot with the Bruins here in game one tonight. Minus 125 against Washington. Uh, that'll be my best bet. And that'll wrap up this marathon edition of the Ice Guys. I, hope we, I, hope we, I apologize if we put anyone to sleep, but uh, you know what? There's not a lot going on in Ontario, and I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's right. We're in lockdown. Anywhere. You know, what else are we going to um, do on a Saturday afternoon? Yeah, honestly, I, I would have been probably playing NHL 21 right now, uh, not really having a great time. So uh, I'm happy just to, to get out and, you know, talk what I'm passionate about, and same thing with you. And, uh, yeah, I really hope I provided some insight. Like, I, I know I'm not uh, the biggest hockey analyst in the world, but, um, you know, I, I love the game. And uh, I know that so many people love the game as much as I do, if not more. And, and I, if I could have provo or provided any insight or, uh, or just broken down any, any forms of analysis that you guys have been thinking about or, or wondering about, because I, I love watching analysis. I, I love watching people, you know, disagree with a thought of mine because that's something we're losing in the world is like is the ability to do uh debate like people will call and not hate the other person for having a different opinion yeah yeah like i could be an idiot for calling you know saying toronto's going to make the finals and maybe i am but um we're all allowed to have an, uh, an opinion if you have facts of uh of why you have the opinion then 
no reason why you can't have that opinion. You know, Montreal, Montreal fans are going to say that Montreal can go all the way. And you know what? If Montreal plays out of their out of their asses, they can. And anybody can. It's the NHL. Like, every team is good enough to do it. It all depends on who plays their system best, who gets the best matchups at the right time. And uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, um, factors that lead into the way things happen. So, yeah, no, people can disagree with me all they want, and that's fine. I I disagree with a lot of people, too. And, uh, yeah, just provide facts of, or uh, or insight of why you think you, you think the way you do. But I, I just I look at so many things of uh, people say you're wrong, no matter what you do. You're wrong. Well, I don't agree with that. Yeah. Well, awesome. You don't agree with that. I don't agree with you. But there should always be that room for debate, too. And that's why betting in sports is so so exciting because um, you can't count anybody out. You have to just understand that the world works in a way that the world works. Like um, nothing's going to go as planned. You know, five players could get hurt in the first game and your team's toast. That's There's no given to anything in this world. So understand that, you know, maybe your odds are better than other people, but you're allowed to your opinion and nobody should be able to stop you for having your opinion. Like there's too much hate. People people post hate all the time. Hate about, I agree. Like I, I hate agree. it. Like I, I want to be able to say my opinion without 30 people calling me an idiot. And you, like I said, be respectful of of somebody else's opinion. You can disagree with it. Like I teach I teach children for a living. I te- I work with children who have autism. I work with children who have trauma. Like the you know children who have some of the most you know largest difficulties in life. And respecting people's opinion is is just so important in modern society because it's kind of a, a skill we've all lost. And yeah. You know, have buddies and have your little rivalries all you want. But, uh, yeah, if, if you don't agree with what somebody's saying, you can be like, oh, whatever, you're an idiot. Like, But you don't have to be mean about it. You don't have to be rude. Um, yeah, understand. Like, people are passionate about hockey as much as you are. So if someone thinks their team's going to beat you, well, let them have it. Say your facts. Let them say their facts. End it there. Don't say, oh, you're, uh, you know, Rude, rude, uh, because things online stay there. That's what people don't get. So much negativity on there, and and that doesn't go away. It's not like you said something to somebody face to face. You're putting something out on the internet that's going to be there forever, and there's no need for it. You you can disagree, but no hate, no no anything in that terms. Like we all have an opinion. We all have different forms of education. We all have all different uh, specialties and form of, of our experience. I have less in analytics. You have more in the analytics side. I have more in the experience of, of playing sports side. I would never, yeah, like I, you know, as much as uh, I might not disagree or agree with something you say, you might disagree with something I say, and that's perfectly fine. So I think um, everyone be passionate about what uh, what team they want to win. Be happy with how their teams are doing. Be happy that they made the playoffs and they showed the success. But understand that, you know what, things might not work out as planned. And uh, just be content with, with the way things are going and don't be negative. If there's any advice I can give to anybody. There you go. I know that's the thing. Brett's given us everything. NHL analysis, player personnel, in, stories on Connor McDavid and Jordan Binnington, life advice, you know, how to be a better person, 
All I mean, what more could we ask from our special guest today, Brett? Uh, you've you delivered the goods. Let's put it that way. And I'll say one more thing about your point about disagreeing. Look, in in, in my industry, if everybody bet the same side, there would be no sports books. There would no. be no sports betting market. There would be no reason to have a. Uh, uh, that side of the counter where they take the bets and my side of the counter where we place the bets because everybody's just betting the same team. So there you go. We've got to have opposite viewpoints, opposing viewpoints. That's what makes the world go round. And I guess, I guess gold knights. Look at them. They, if yeah. they had won that Stanley Cup, uh, a lot of people would have been millionaires. And that's just going off a hunch. That's not having any supporting factor behind it. Somebody was just like, you know what? I like this team. I like the way they play. I think they can go all the way. And uh, some people will probably say they're idiots for uh, for bidding thousands of dollars on them. And I, I was probably a part of that. Like, cause it's just sometimes you have a hunch on something and uh, and it's tough, but you feel it inside of you that uh, that's the right call. And you know what? They they almost won. Like, it's it just shows you anything can happen in sport. And yeah, be grateful of what happens, and uh, yeah, and just don't hate people for having an opinion because we all have one. Yeah. Exactly right. Stanley Cup Final in their expansion franchise season, their very first season in existence for the Vegas Golden Knights. Not many people uh, were seeing that coming at the very beginning of that season. It was an incredible ride. And one last point you made, and we'll wrap up on this. You said it's not just who you play, but the style of play. And, and how many tough series you're going to have at, down the road, that's 100% true. You could get worn down by the second round, by the conference finals, by the Stanley Cup finals because you played physical opponents, tough series, six, seven-game series. I've had to expend a lot of energy, and that could take away from your chances of winning later on just as mm -hmm. much as you have in a tough matchup against that particular opponent. So yeah. it's such a very good and tangible yeah. uh, uh, element to keep in the back of your mind uh, as the uh, playoffs go on. The very, sure. very last story that I'll throw in here. Um, so my brother uh, played, he's the all-time uh, points leader in the greater Metro Hockey League, so he ended up playing uh, in the GMHL. Probably a few GMHL players. Uh, his name's Dylan Sontag. Um, and uh, so we uh, made it to the championship a few years in a row. And this is where I, I know it's junior hockey, way different than the NHL, but... I think of this uh, quite often. My brother um, was playing in the series against the team called Deserano, and uh, you know, neck and neck, crazy series, just so physically. My brother was so mentally, physically drained. My brother was the leading scorer on his team. He had uh, over 100 points that season, whatever. Um, what happened was they had signed a player who played for them the previous year, who played in the States. He came in. And it wasn't that he was that much better than everybody. He was he was an excellent player. He came in not tired. He scored five, four or five goals in the final game, and we blew out Deserano. And that was it was based off of not because he's so much better, but he came in with a fresh. He wasn't tired from the grueling hitting and uh, and the the grueling just physicality of this of the series. He comes in fresh. He has no worries in the world. Everyone's like, how do we stop this guy? I used all my energy the last three games. And now this guy's coming in with full, um, you know, so that if anybody uh, knows who Nick Lee is, uh, he came in and uh, I think it was the 2008-2009 championships and I was a South Muskoka Shield uh, player. 
And yeah, so I don't know if anyone ever uh, ever followed that, but that's what what happened. And Deserano wanted to contest that um, they cheated because they had a player who hadn't really played. He was on the roster. But it is, in a sense, it's almost a way of cheating because you have a guy who's coming in with a good skill set and good uh, abilities, but he's coming in at 100%. So that's where I say, um, you know, you look at a team like Colorado, if they make it on to, against Toronto in the third series, I think Colorado's a better team, 100%. But I think Colorado's going to have a tougher first two series, which allows Toronto to gain that slight leverage that might be the only reason why Toronto can beat Colorado. I don't see Colorado beating, uh, losing to Toronto in round one or even round two, but I think if they get beat up enough, Toronto has just that overall depth that can potentially get it, and that's my reasoning why. Um, like I said, it, it might not be right, but everyone said North Division is the weakest division. Well, then don't get upset when people say that Toronto is going to do well because if it's the weakest division, then it just means that the first two rounds are going to be that much easier than it is for the, the teams in the West and the teams in the Atlantic. Like, you, your first two rounds are grueling. You're giving everything you have. And by the time you get to the third and fourth round, your players on the fourth line are, are your reliant players because your top guys are playing 30 minutes a game. So I guess I always think back to that story of the, of the GMHL. You get a fresh player come in, success. Wow. Great stuff, Brett. Amazing uh, appear, uh, guest spot from you today on the show. Uh, I feel like Joe Rogan now. Like this is the Joe Rogan yeah, podcast. Joe Rogan Please show. Where's the money to go with it? Where's I my know, million? I, like Joe's yeah. getting uh, for his podcast going three hours with most episodes. But this was unbelievable stuff. Uh, Brett, thanks again. We're definitely going to have you back on uh, the Ice Guys show once again. Uh, thank, everyone seemed to enjoy it in the chat. So great stuff. A reminder before we finally sign off. Um, we are on the air seven days a week, live on YouTube with the Ice Guys, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. Uh, if you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeart. You can find the Ice Guys podcast on all those platforms uh, and outlets. For our special guest, Brett Sontag, did a great job joining us today. I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Saturday. Enjoy the games, enjoy the Stanley Cup playoffs, and good luck. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow on Sunday for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Now a show that's going to give you the truth about the biggest epidemic of our times. We're all a little crazy. We're All a Little Crazy is brought to you by the Same Here Global Mental Health Movement and the Hockey Podcast Network. This is NHL great mental health advocate and member of the Same Here Alliance, Theo Fleury. This is 20-year professional sports executive, mental health advocate, and founder of the hashtag Same Here Global Mental Health Movement, Eric Cusin. This is Darren Ravel, sports business insider, mental health advocate, and founder of the Same Here Influencer Alliance. We're so afraid as a society to rip the Band-Aid off the topic in a real way. Anytime you open up about something that's controversial or taboo, the first one through the wall always gets bloodied. And that's why we're doing this. We don't mind being the ones getting bloodied. We put our stories out there well before it was a thing to do for a reason. 
because as much as they're extreme examples of how far you can fall, they show everyone the challenging life experiences impact everyone, even those of us who have reached the top of our competitive industries. The issue in media today, traditional media and social media, we are so quick to look for simple answers, simple explanations. We want everything wrapped in a bow. But this topic is messy. The nuances need to be explained. Yeah, it needs real, long-form conversation like this. I'm just thrilled that we can be real with people and address the current events happening in this space in real time and set the record straight. More talk happening doesn't mean it's helping the conversation move forward. The words we use matter. We have the greatest mental health awareness in the history of our planet, and yet the mental health trends and outcomes are awful. It means the current messages aren't working. Find me a person who hasn't faced trauma in their lives. Anyone. You can. Things have affected all of us. It's why we all say we are all a little crazy in our own unique ways. This topic isn't for one in five of us with mental illness. It's for five in five whose mental health has been impacted. This isn't an athlete issue. It's not a musician issue. It's a societal one. This is the greatest epidemic of our time. No, it's not about stopping any stigma. It's about us all saying same here. Our openness and the commonality in our struggles, that's what erodes stigma better and faster than any campaign telling people to stop anything ever will. Available on all podcast apps. Do us a favor and download each episode before you listen. And if you're an Apple user, please rate and review the podcast as it helps us get these important conversations out to reach a larger audience.